On this episode, we watched... Don't. Do not. No. We watched... No. No. We watched a movie called... No. I can't even bear it. Nothing But Trouble. Nothing <laughs> But Trouble. Nothing But Trouble. My tummy hurts. <laughs> I've never felt more repulsed by a film. Welcome to the Flop House. Hey, I'm dude. Dan McCoy. <laughs> when do you start talking? I start talking now. Oh, okay. So we're at a podcast. You're right. Uh, <laughs> Tight ship. Uh, Stuart, what's your name? Uh, my name is Stuart Wellingtown. I'm Elliot Kalin. I'm Joan Hodgkin. <laughs> I don't think that's correct. <laughs> that seems wrong. That's right, folks. Famous comedian Joan Hodgkin is uh, here today. Hodgkin. Hod- it's pronounced. No. <laughs> excuse me, un- excuse me, unsolicited caller. It's pronounced Hodgman. John Hodgman is my name. And special guest John Hodgman is here for uh, two big reasons. Two big reasons, yeah. It's our 200th episode. 200th. That's, and already you've got the gist of the podcast. Dan's stupid mouth says something wrong and we jump on him about We've it. We've done 200 of these? I, I mean, I don't know if we're going to make it to 300, but I remember back when our first 100th episode happened. Uh, and it is also uh, Max Fun Drive, the time of year when we come with hat in hand mm-hmm. to ask you for a little scratch. This silly thing going. Because we're so itchy. (laughs) (laughs) Having just watched that film, I'd prefer to avoid all humor involving skin disorders, if you don't mind. Um, So, yeah, can you tell me about the Max Fun Drive, Dan? Yeah, sure. If it's a little thing that uh, just funds a whole network, Stuart. Okay. Uh, yeah, get mad at Stuart about it. Yeah. <laughs> and that's our network, right? Yeah, MaximumFun. MaximumFun.org. And that's John's network. It is. Yes, I also have a podcast called the Judge John Hodgman Podcast. This is not the place to plug that. <laughs> <laughs> Inappropriate, sir. What's that? <laughs> I don't think. Uh, so the, the, the Judge John Hodgman Podcast may not be mentioned on the Flophouse. Seems uh, like I give you guys a lot of love on my podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's direct true. some traffic over there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, let's just, uh, when I let's, say that your podcast is my mortal enemy, <laughs> why don't we just hit the switch that creates a detour so people stop listening to this podcast and go oh. to this uh, evil podcast out in the woods? No, just the point. Like, look, we are we are we are all brothers and sisters in the shade of maximum fun, yeah. and so it is important once a year that we turn to you, the listener, and say uh, it costs money to do what we do. And we hope that you would consider, if you enjoy this podcast, and I don't know why you would, but the, <laughs> many of you do, uh, to go to MaximumFun.org slash donate and, uh, and, and toss a little, uh, 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 some coins our way. Mm-hmm. It could be as low as $5 a month in, do- in being a pledge person donor. It Which could be as high up- as a million dollars a month. That would be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> if you're a crazy billionaire, I'm not even going to say eccentric billionaire, I'm going to say schizophrenic billionaire. <laughs> Why not? Why not spend a million dollars a month on us? And in addition to getting uh, access to bonus episodes like other things we've done and all the other bonus episodes for all the other shows on the network, hundreds of hours of entertainment from all the shows. Yeah, you, uh, if you'd give five dollars a month, you will get all of the bonus That's uh, content. Sixty dollars a year. 
That's you six. spend more money on, I don't know, Matchbox cars? Little, little, little I tell you what. Garbage. Just, I tell you what. You spend more money on just I junk do. that you then throw away. I tell you what. This month, don't buy Barely Legal. Never buy it again. Instead, <laughs> put that money towards Max. Yeah, the internet exists. Come on. Why? Yeah, just type Barely Legal into your search engine. Okay, do it right now. Go to Google.com. <laughs> now type in, but spell it B-A-R. Strange. You, wanna, you want bear sex. <laughs> Strange, strangely, also a Maximum Fun podcast. <laughs> Uh, Dan is sick, as you can tell. Yeah. He needs medicine. And the only way we can get the money for that medicine mm. is if you donate at yes. MaximumFun.org slash donate. If we don't get Dan penicillin within the hour, he will almost certainly <laughs> oh, expire. Wow. And if you do get me penicillin within the hour, I will also probably expire because I'm allergic to penicillin. <laughs> oh, is that so? <laughs> yeah, please. If you find me on the street and think... What this man needs is a little penicillin to fix yeah, him right don't up. Don't blow it in do his not face. Do that. <laughs> that's my that's my vigilante do-gooderism. I wander the I wander the subways in the middle of the night, and if I see a passed out vagrant, I rub some <laughs> penicillin under their you nose. Just take a moldy piece of bread and rub it on their. Yeah, face. exactly. Wow. So you you can't have penicillin. Uh, yeah. Well, you're I mean, even more of a sickly waif than I realized. <laughs> This is a childhood uh, allergy. I don't know what's going to happen to me in, in, in adulthood. Like, you know, maybe right. I'll get so let's try it. Yeah, you might, evo- you might uh, emerge from your chrysalis. Yeah. <laughs> and you are no longer allergic to penicillin. The, yeah, the doctors told your mom, never let him have penicillin. Tell him he's allergic. <laughs> just want or else he'll turn, turn into a super creature. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're Harrison Bergeroning you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're holding you. Western medicine is just holding you back, dude. <laughs> So for five dollars you get the bonus episodes. What do you get if you donate more than five dollars? Uh, nothing. <laughs> what? Not nothing? No, quite no. a bit more than nothing. This is quite you an incredible what? deal. We'll get into the specific uh, the specific gifts later on, but I will say that the ten dollar a month level or the ten dollar a month level, as people would say, yeah, ten dollar, uh, yeah. As you, I mean, unless you want to send a ten dollar over to us, you probably melt it down for forty cents. Very sharp bandana of your choice, not uh, made out of tin. Like sharp, like it looks cool. It's Warm, sharp. Like There's, uh, I think, twenty two designs. One for all the shows on the network. Yeah, yeah, they're all beautiful. They're designs. beautiful. They're beautiful bandanas. Bandani. <laughs> Bandani. Bandani. Yep. That's, That's me, Bandanny. Bandanny. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was when you were the mascot for Band-Aid and brand Band-Aids. <laughs> oh, I got me a cut. That was the thing Bandanny's here. I am stuck on Band-Aid brand. Because <laughs> Band-Aid, do you remember when they added that in? Yeah. Just, the yeah. jingle was always, I'm stuck on Band-Aids because Band-Aid stuck on me. And then they had added brand. <laughs> Because people thought it was the generic kind. Of yeah, thing. because attorneys hate jingles. <laughs> <laughs> I like that much more than the idea that it was a band Danny movement. There are people out there who are just trying to get band rid of me. Danny, band Danny. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. if you ki- killed fewer people, that wouldn't be it wouldn't be that call. <laughs> Look, if I kill fewer people, then how would I have any fun? <laughs> he makes a good point. Um, but what we normally do is not come to you with hat in hand. What we normally do is take uh, your hat off your head and throw it on the ground. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, we steal it, uh, PG Woodhouse style. As a did he steal hats from people? <laughs> well, his character. Because yeah, I know did. him more as an author, but I know he was a famous hat thief. <laughs> <laughs> Put out the AP in his, in his, Yard. In his right. attic, he had thousands of bowlers. <laughs> that man is on his prime computer. There was, a, there was another robbery at the Hat Museum. Oh, oh we're killing Danny. Stop, yeah. you guys. Right. Don't Sorry. make them laugh. Well, a lung's going to come out. We, I, we got out. Don't worry, Batman. We got out the extra extra cops for the Pharaoh's Hat exhibit at the Gotham Museum. TJ Woodhouse think, isn't going to stop and get us this time. Pharaoh's Hat exhibit. <laughs> variety of accents there from 
your uh, your your Scotland Yard. Yeah, I don't know where he was from. That's the thing. <laughs> yeah. I spent a lot of today trying to figure out what my Jane Campion accent would sound like, and okay. it was too Australian every time. Yeah, couldn't get a New Zealand. Impossible. Why are you working on a Jane Campion? That is a good question. I can't quite answer because there is no real answer to it. <laughs> were you actually working on it, or were you I just, was, you, but or it, you just, just just for fun? Teasing old Hodgman. Oh, you no, weren't doing it for real. professional reasons. <laughs> no. Look, I, I, Elliot has no professional reasons at the moment. I so, said, what's mm-hmm. what's a job? I mean, I'm looking. Jane for Campion a, came to you as a director and said, "I want to cast you in my movie, but you have to have a Jane Campion accent." I want you to cast. I want you. I want. Me. Yeah, I want you to star in my biopic that I'm making of myself. <laughs> it's called G.I. Jane. Yeah. <laughs> it's about my my struggles mm. with my intestinal problems. It's a good tie-in with the movie we watched. Today. Demi Moore. Dem- yeah. That's now, right. Dan, what movie Demure did you watch? Moore. Uh, we watched a movie called Nothing But Trouble. Now, was this and a movie? Boy, was it. <laughs> it, it, it warned us. It warned us. <laughs> I had never seen this movie, and I'm, oh. and it was it was definitely ripe to be seen by me in the year of its release, <laughs> 1991, because it probably target. came out on video in 1992 or, or, or late 1991, and I was working in a video store in New Haven, Connecticut at the time. Mm-hmm. I remember when it came in. I had seen previews for it on other movies, mm-hmm. and I was like, I do not need to watch this movie. So this video store but, you know, in the this 90s. Is, you yes. prob- your uniform was probably what, like a pair of overalls with one one of the straps off. And like- <laughs> I wore my jeans backwards. <laughs> hey, that's a bugs and tags video. <laughs> uh, and every morning I would come in and I would uh, I would bring in the um, uh, the returns out of the out of the return box and then I would just warm it up, Chris. <laughs> But I mean, round the way to that show, guys. <laughs> this was a time. This was a time when. You absolutely like. I was I was in my early twenties. Okay. <laughs> I worked at a video store, mm-hmm. uh, and I had and uh, I worked all day, and no one would ever come in. And all you would do is like, I believed I was immortal, and I could waste time watching terrible movies. <laughs> and yet you never got around. To <laughs> but this was one where I was like, hmm, not this one. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I don't think there's trouble in the title. I don't going to watch. It. I don't want to. I don't Unless want this to. This trouble see it. is big and happening in a China that's smaller than the normal size. <laughs> yeah. I have to say that it was a great joy of my life to uh, inflict this movie on Mr. John Hodgman and look over at him at certain points <laughs> when I knew what was about to happen. Just, just Did it show on my face? The bafflement and disgust <laughs> let me on set, your face. Let me set the stage for you, for everybody. So Dan, in his apartment, he has a couch and a rocking chair. And Mr. Hodgman chose the rocking chair. And the look on his face during certain scenes, it was like... We it was like we had come upon like a disapproving man sitting on his porch, <laughs> yeah. just watching like the young people doing yeah. who knows the what. The images yeah. on the screen literally pushed him back in the rocking chair. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the nicest part about it was there was a TV tray in front of me with a single piece of fried chicken and a martini, and I'm like, well, life is perfect right now. Yeah. And I enjoyed sitting down with my friends. Elliot, Dan, and what's his name? To <laughs> non-creative. <laughs> uh, I had the pleasure. We call him service industry. He's called I, below the line. I had the pleasure of meeting Stuart in a in a in a bar, his natural habitat, late yep. on Monday evening uh, mm-hmm. here in Brooklyn, New York, and yeah. uh, I've I've enjoyed knowing you. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm glad this is not the first time that we have met, and I doubt it will be the last. So there. But yeah, now I mean, bars, we we all frequent them, right, Dan? We all, we all love them. That's where the alcohol lives. <laughs> where it lives, just like food fight at night. That's the right. lights go out and the alcohol comes to life and has adventures and has fights, has, has brawls. <laughs> night at the alcohol museum. 
So you did not have the opportunity to watch this movie ever. He had the opportunity. opportunity. He just never took it. it. So yeah, I know that speaking, I think Dan is like J.R. (laughs) He had the option to watch this movie. Yeah. I mean, that's That's, an in joke about some, uh, someone that Dan and I know telling a story that, was in a meeting just, at the Daily Show, so no one will know that. We just that thought one. it was delightful that he described it once as he had the option to watch Prometheus. Yeah. As if anyone at any time does not have the yeah. option to yeah. watch whatever yes. movie. Oh, he got the invitation? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> he found an, an, un, an unmarked envelope slid under his door. Yeah, Boy, right. This is very mysterious. What, an invitation to go into deepest space with Ridley Scott? Show up at this, <laughs> show up at this mansion and say Fidelio, and then you'll see Prometheus. Recommended that I be stoned out of my mind? Well. Oh, I, I think I have time. I'm not sure. Uh, but this movie is one that I time mean, is the fourth dimension, Elliot. Thank and you. The movie is shot in three dimensions. Mm-hmm. So if you have the time to watch Prometheus, I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> Warm it up, Chris. <laughs> this this is a movie that I saw. This is the first time of my seeing it in probably about twenty twenty five years. Uh, or that could be twenty five years. In about twenty years, but when I was, it just hasn't been around that long. But but it was on HBO all the time. Yeah. And being a child, I had nothing but time. And mm-hmm. nothing what, but time you certainly felt trouble. that you, yeah. <laughs> I thought I would, not only that I would not, that I would live forever and could do it, have unlimited time, but also right. that it was my job apparently to watch whatever television decided to show yeah. me, yeah. regardless yeah. of whether I even liked it. They, or not. they made it. I have an obligation to <laughs> complete the circle. If I think and this it was is supposedly bad, I must a, be wrong because adults made this. It was supposedly a comedy thing, too. Like the fact that. I mean, these are not, I, I don't know. I mean, like Chevy Chase's stock has fallen greatly since the making of movies such as Nothing But Trouble. Yeah. But mm-hmm. at the time, you know, you see a movie with Chevy Chase and John Candy and Dan Aykroyd and you're a comedy person growing up. You think, it's, it's got the oh, there has to yeah. be something about this movie that yeah. I'm missing. And if this is a it movie, had a pedigree. Yeah. yeah. And if this is a movie other people don't like, maybe it's because it's too original and like too good in some ways, the way that there are plenty of movies that, general audiences they couldn't handle them but you watch them and you're like this is really good i can see why this was too much for regular people like but vampire's kiss yeah exactly <laughs> something this like, is a weird movie it's just a weird movie you like, don't know what you don't know what you don't know how it's operating or what its logic is but you're enchanted by it yeah and in there's a, way. a pleasure to nicholas cage's performance but you're like yeah. i can see how other people not understanding that and, would and be like this is bad can't handle 200 percent right. performance <laughs> right <laughs> can't handle a man yelling every letter in the alphabet at his therapist <laughs> <laughs> but here this is a very similar film because it, it it features a very strong performance committed. from Dan Aykroyd, very committed performance, yeah. a very weird aesthetic, a very can't quite put your finger on what it thinks it's doing uh, element mm-hmm. to it. Yeah. And yet you find it uncharming completely. <laughs> In fact, it is utterly disgusting and repulsive. It really, and, even as a child, I was like, I don't, this is, I'm going to make a value judgment here. There, there are two movies that when I was a kid, I was like, I'm... I think this is not a movie I like, and I didn't even know that was possible. And they both have Chevy Chase in them. What's the other one? This and Christmas Vacation. Oh, right. right. Which I remember seeing that in the theaters and like a third of the way through being like, I'm not enjoying this, but I'm in a movie theater watching a movie. Like, is that a thing that, like, I thought there was something wrong with me for a moment. So that was, that was the, like, that That was was one of the moments when you realized that movies can be bad. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. See, it was much later for me. It was, uh, it was Toys starring Robin Ah. Williams. (laughs) This is the worst thing. (laughs) Ironically, that's a movie where when I eventually saw it, I was like, this is not a good movie, but there's interesting things going on here. (laughs) Mm. But yet, but it was Christmas Vacation was the one where I I went with my family and they were like, 
I was like, my parents shrugged it off. They were like, that wasn't so good. And we left and I was like, how can you be so cavalier What's about wrong this? with you? <laughs> Do, didn't you just see what happened? My movie wasn't good. This is this against the laws of reality. Call the local news. <laughs> Go tell it to the Marines. You're next. You're next to see a movie that isn't good. Just running through the parking lot screaming. <laughs> Should we say, do well, you this, say what the movie is about? No, we, we do. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're going to do that. We're, okay, we're just taking of? a long time I mean, getting anything, around to it. We're way on more, more on point than usual. Usually, by this point, we're talking about some dumb, like, Werner Herzog impression that one of us is doing. Right. Or, like, Stewart's are pretty good. <laughs> Hello, my name is Werner Herzog. <laughs> I'm a good director of movies. Yeah. Is that your Jane Campion? Uh, right. I, I think it's. Pretty close, yeah. right? <laughs> Pretty close to the real one, yeah. I mean, each benign director of a filming. <laughs> oh. Nothing But Trouble is a hard movie to get across, though, because I've tried to explain it to people by saying, like, it is a an attempt to make Texas Chainsaw Massacre as a comedy. I think, but yeah. if you say that, like, if I heard that, I would think, it's like, that's, that's awesome. A- I want to see that What's movie. The- well, but... I- it immediately struck me that the the way this movie was made was Dan Aykroyd wandered onto the set of Texas Chainsaw Massacre <laughs> 2 and said, can I do something with this? <laughs> because it's the exact same premise and the exact same over-the-top, over-set-decorated, weird, yeah. tchotchke-laden, haunted house, contraption house deal yeah. as, as the second Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And the second te- Texas Chainsaw Massacre is sort of terrifying, but it's a comedy as yeah. well. Yeah. You know, like... like it strikes me as him seeing like Pee Wee's Big Adventure yeah. and being like, I could make a movie like that. Well, right. But I mean, not understanding what he was, what went into that movie. This was know? his attempt to make a Tim Burton, like a gothic Tim Burton yeah. movie, but he did, he doesn't. So, but with unpleasant <laughs> man babies. <laughs> unpleasant man, like, and a roller coaster that strips people's flesh from their bones <laughs> and then spits them out. And the movie begins with early 90s blues or jazz. It's, Ray Char- it's a Ray Charles song. Ray Charles song it's over a, the Manhattan nightline. Now, this is a comedy from 1991, and as was the law passed by Congress, all comedies <laughs> right. made between 1984 and 1992 had to open with a helicopter shot of the New York skyline and uh, some kind of like bluesy jazz song sung by a, an African-American singer. Right. That was just, I remember when law. they, when they passed that law, I was glued to C-SPAN that <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> it was very dramatic. Will they or won't they? <laughs> when, when Reagan signed it into law. Oh my yeah. God. Tears. I still, <laughs> yeah, you, you interrupted the normal video watching at Which the movie rental said. store <laughs> to watch this historic law. <laughs> was this attempt to kick something off of soul? Like when it was the widest movie in the world. Well, like, he, typically. with Dan, with, I mean, with most movies or just yeah, this with, one? with with most with movies. most movies, it was a way to like make. A I mean, movie this movie scene. has digital underground in it, so it's not you know. And but it is technically not the whitest movie in the world <laughs> on yeah, a technicality. Wider. There's yeah. one scene with black people in it. I guess two because there's some black state troopers at the end. But Dan Aykroyd also has a history of there. There's the good things he does, and then there's the more like blues brothersy things he does where he wants to be cool. <laughs> where like, and he's like, you know what? I like music. I, I know on the outside I'm white, but inside, who knows what I am? You know, a what? Bruno type character. <laughs> yeah, he is. Yeah, if only he he had uh, he had the faith that Bruce Willis has in putting that character on a CD and then never doing it ever again. <laughs> I just performing it at Planet Hollywoods. There are two things that I know about Dan Aykroyd, and one is that I do believe he is genuinely interested 
in rhythm and blues oh, music. No, he is. And I believe that he genuinely believes that there are UFOs and ghosts. <laughs> and beyond, yeah. but beyond that, Dan Aykroyd is unknowable. There is. <laughs> yeah. Like, I felt like we really saw oh, into rough. this movie was written by Dan Aykroyd with his brother. It was directed by Dan Aykroyd. It was sister. A, a total Dan Aykroyd <laughs> joint. He re, he recruit he recruited a, a cast of old friends, John Candy and Chevy Chase, um, and Brian Doyle Murray and whatever to be in it with him. The look on their faces throughout the movie is, I guess I have to do this. <laughs> <laughs> and and I feel like we are peering into the addled brain of Dan Aykroyd. I don't know what is going on inside. I have not felt this way about uh, like really not n- knowing how another human being thinks mm-hmm. since the time I saw Dan Aykroyd do that ad for Crystal Head Vodka where I was truly <laughs> so I, I don't know I don't know what reality you are inhabiting I don't know whether you're being serious or joking and if you're being serious I don't know who you are anymore yeah, is this performance art or do actual humans want to spend roughly 90 minutes in this world <laughs> yeah yeah there's a there's a commercial he did he had a wine also that he did commercial for that uh-huh. did not come in a crystal a crystal skull <laughs> well that is undrinkable but it was like but I, rem- I remember seeing the ad and he like gives a smile at the end that I think is supposed to be like it's good stuff I enjoy it too but the look on his face is like there's poison in this. <laughs> like you don't, don't know it, anyone. but when you drink this, you're gonna die. <laughs> like this is our little secret, and it's gonna die with you. So, but he okay. So we should talk about what's in what the movie happens. So we start off. Can we? I, I actually want you to try to tell me what the plot of the movie is. Okay, the only part I'm really not clear on, I'll get to, which is so it's New York City. Chevy Chase is a very rich like hot stock tips guy. He has mm-hmm. a financial newsletter that right. he gives out. And he's throwing it just the, looks like a like a fucking pamphlet that he hands people. I, mean, I don't was, know how he's making money off of this thing. Oh no, that's real money. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh yeah. You kidding me? Financial newsletters? Like a newsletter? Yeah, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You spend a lot of money you know, to subscribe okay. to it because it's good tips. Good also, tips. One of the the, the headline says like And he saves like, money uh, by not having all the like artwork and uh, color. Right. It looks like it was run off in the mineograph in the school office. Yeah, yeah exactly. Is that the sharp financial brain? Mailman holding up a letter. What's the headline that we see on that? It's like buy cocoa. Stay in Stay in cocoa. There are actually a few legit funny lines in this movie, and that was one of them for me. I didn't know what was going on there. But uh, he runs into a new tenant at his building. Played by, played by Demi Moore. Demi Moore. Who is at the, she is. You know, she was born half more, but she changed it <laughs> yep. to be more sophisticated. <laughs> well, well um, um, a, a Moore had mated with a human woman. <laughs> so she was born as a Demi Moore. Yep. Of course, Hestia sent those snakes to kill her in her crib, but she strangled them with her prodigious strength. All right, I'm leaving now. Okay, sorry. But, uh, so... She is a lawyer who's involved with some guy who is both her boyfriend and also a client, and he's doing some kind of landfill deal. This is something I did not, I couldn't wrap my no. mind around. A character we never see. We never see. A real Rosalind. All you, <laughs> all you need to know is that she convinces Chevy Chase, I need to go to Atlantic City tomorrow. Can you drive me in your fancy car? I don't know why she asked him in particular. It's, he a, says, it's a cherry beamer. And he says <laughs> yes because he wants to put his penis inside of her. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that was the subtext that I missed. Yeah, <laughs> and the when Demi Moore's at a party with him, she's wearing a low-cut black cocktail dress. It's framed so that you don't see her cleavage. And I was like, Dan Aykroyd, 
what kind of director are you? Not not remembering that throughout the rest of the movie, she's constantly bending over or falling down face first with her boobs hanging out of her dress. Yeah. So I, you stay, you corrected me, Dan Aykroyd. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I would I would like to I would You're like to come back. I, looking for. <laughs> I don't want to I don't want to interrupt the synopsis of the film, <laughs> but I would like to come back to the topic of Demi, do Demi Moore. Here. Why? Did you make it? <laughs> why? She was because I understand why Chevy Chase made it. I understand why uh, John Candy made it. I mean, like, it's possible she was dating Dan Aykroyd at the time. Probably not. But she was also no. Da- how dare you? <laughs> how, how dare you suggest that Dan Aykroyd is unfaithful to Donna Dixon? <laughs> Sorry, I apologize. Yeah, my girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> that Wait, so you're so she's unfaithful to him with you. She doesn't know that she's my girlfriend. Oh, okay, but that is a marriage that seems that that is a Canadian weirdo marriage that seems. <laughs> Truly solid. They've been together for a long time. They, for a long time. Yeah, I always loved and, uh, He has certainly given her reasons to I consider. mean, this movie right there. Yeah. If all you have to you go to divorce court and the judge says, what's the reason? And she plays the movie and the judge is like, I want to divorce you now. <laughs> so these two, these two the rich people. These two rich. These two wealthy New York uh, loathsome yuppies. Yeah, they're the heroes of the film. They're the heroes, and they're and 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 unironically portrayed as the heroes. Yeah, like they we, are not villains in any way. We're supposed to really like them. We don't want to see them get a. Chevy Chase is supposed kind. to be right. that. It's supposed to be able to pull that off, though. That he's be, uh, supposed to be able to pull off like the like rich '80s jerk people that have be- like. people have believed that Chevy Chase was capable of pulling off a lot of things for a long time. <laughs> I mean, but I mean that's like like his role in Caddyshack is basically that, right? right. But he says funny things in that. Uh, in this there's like a dearth of funny things. All right, wait. So, he two, reads a lot of signs in the movie. <laughs> two wealthy creeps get into a Beamer to drive to Atlantic City joined, for for reasons unknown, joined by Joined for reasons unknown by Taylor Negron and an actress I don't I couldn't oh, remember. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. As, Brazilians. Two, as two Brazilian millionaires or Brazilianaires as Chevy Chase calls them in what is Kind of a joke. That was a, 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 it was a generational defining joke. <laughs> Everyone remembers where they were. They heard the it, yeah, it was like, you know, that's right up there with I'll have what she's having. It's like oh, Brazilianaires, you know, because that's a thing we all know about. <laughs> and they decide, oh, we're going to go on the, on, the, on the drive too for no reason. Mm-hmm. They leave New York City. Right. They enter New Jersey. And as a New Jersey native myself, having spent the first 17 years of my life there, uh, it was not a portrait of New Jersey I really recognized. Apparently, Dan Aykroyd thinks that in the space between New York City and Atlantic City, which is a very easy drive, I've done it. I've taken the bus that way. Like that, don't there, don't, don't say that. that there, <laughs> you're, you're trying to portray yourself as a successful podcaster. Don't. No, no, just taking the bus. <laughs> I've taken the you bus. Have that to stop Atlantic in Chesapeake where you kind of sit around waiting and you're like, I thought it was Time pronounced Cheesequake. <laughs> I thought so too, and I was corrected. By who? They said there's going to be a stop in Cheesequake. People are going to get on there, and I was like, I was imagining <clears throat> tourist T-shirts that say I I survived the Cheesequake, and right. the word Cheesequake is the font is like letters made out of cheese that are shaking around like an earthquake. This is a reference to a stop on the uh, Jersey Turnpike <laughs> that is clearly labeled. Cheesequake. Yeah. <laughs> it is spelled cheesequake. It's spelled cheesequake like there's something you can get in the guy Fieri right But you're telling me that it's actually pronounced Chesequake? That's what I was told. Yeah. That was after, a good joke, Dan. After spending, <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Oh, we have Dan. What was the joke? I didn't hear it. I don't know. something you can get in the Guy Fieri restaurant. Yeah, the All American Grill. <laughs> <laughs> you get the, yeah, if it's one of your dessert options. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you get the red, white, and blue cheesequake. Yeah. Amer- it's, it's a real mountain of American cheese. Mm-hmm. Inside molten Velveeta cheese. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And it's profoundly unstable. <laughs> You have to eat it before it falls apart. There's one scientist saying, you guys have to evacuate this cheese mountain. I'm like, shut up, egghead. Measuring 7.9 on the 
Lichter scale. <laughs> Excuse me. <Gross. laughs> Please leave. <laughs> I just I'm forgot gonna, your name again. I'm going <laughs> to exercise my veto power over that joke. <laughs> Rarely used. Okay, so... In between New York City and Atlantic City. If you just take a short detour because your Brazilian <laughs> friends want to see the countryside. The country. You will find yourself in a in a like a in a like Mad Max style coal destroyed uh industrial zone. Right, so a, a wasteland. Like there are wasteland industrial areas in New Jersey, but rarely are they coal mines and very rarely are they the personal fiefdoms of like inbred hillbilly families. Unless it's a horror movie. Unless it's a horror movie. But again, not that many horror movies are set in New Jersey, maybe in the Pine <laughs> Barrens, but they're not it's getting eerily. as far. <laughs> you know, you know. They weren't as far as south as the Pine Barrens. There's no there's no they were not in Jersey Devil territory there. No, exactly. There's they're, no Mothman. Wait, Mothman's New Jersey. That right? is West Virginia. Uh, yeah. I mean, what you would find between New York. This movie was supposed to be set in West Virginia. Okay. I mean, I mean that like that, sense. it would yeah, make yeah. more sense if it were in West Virginia or anywhere in the in the true Appalachians where there is actual coal mining. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the, so the, the premise is that if you take a little bit of a detour off of the Jersey Turnpike in this coastal part of New Jersey, you will suddenly be in the foothills <laughs> of gigantic San Bernardino style mountains because that's what they were in the actual shooting. Where there and the and it's an entirely strip mined central Pennsylvania area coal fire hellscape. Yeah. Where many of the locals boast Chicago in accents. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and if you and if you miss a stop sign, second city. Yeah. If you miss a stop sign, John Candy will very politely arrest you. Recommend that you uh, be fined, but the crazy old judge played by Dan Aykroyd will sentence you to staying overnight in a weird puzzle house for, <laughs> no. full of full of yeah. full of chotskis and and uh, phallic symbols. I feel like we're, we're skipping a couple important things. One of which is the town they drive through is. One of these towns that only exists for creepy old people to, or creepy looking people to sit on abandoned couches and watch city folk drive through right. and just scowl <laughs> at them. They go through a stop sign and John Candy turns on his sirens and the Brazilians are like, hey, we should we should run off and just leave them behind. Just speed it up. And Chevy's Well, because like, it, it was already set up. They were in this sweet Beamer. Yeah. And <laughs> Cherry. Demi Moore basically has an orgasm about Cherry Ch- Chevy Chase's car, mm-hmm. and so it's been set up like this is an incredible car that these ri- rich creeps have. Yeah, the camera just like <laughs> lingers all over that newfangled GPS unit he's got. Yeah. Oh, that the, I could not believe there was a GPS in that car. <laughs> like you know that uh, that uh, if I had seen that in the movie theater, I'd be like, uh, what an age we live in. <laughs> 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 Where rich people can always know where they are. <laughs> you would leave the movie theater, go to the payphone, and call your mom to explain that you're living in the future. <laughs> you just walk out dazed, looking up at the stars. Right. Well, I've I've seen it. I've seen tomorrow, but it's today. <laughs> what well, just stopping bystanders? What year is it? What century is it? You understand? A car had a computer in it, and the and the GP. There was a lot of speculation in the room that this was somehow product placement from the GPS company, whatever it is. But like all of the product placement that. Might have bit all the products that exist in this film mm-hmm. end up s- being put in very bad light. I have to assume these are the products that did not meet the asking price for not being included in the film. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was an extortion <laughs> yeah. situation. Here's the deal. Like, if you realize product you got it, would be a shame if it showed up uh, in nothing but trouble. Quality soft drink. Pay me a million dollars or I'm putting it in my movie. No, 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 no. If you're a GPS company, if you don't give me if you don't give me a million dollars, I'm gonna feature you prominently in the movie, and then we will lose service in the middle of New Jersey, and then as a result, the people will be murdered. As you can clearly see in this scene, Dan Aykroyd's character has 
a tiny little train drive around delivering pizza pizzas to the horrified guests. No, no, you take my money, make it giant hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad we could do business, Mr. Hut. <laughs> <laughs> Of course, Stuart is referring to the condiment train in one of the most repulsive. In, Come in on, the ride scene. the condiment train in the scene and while, ride it. While they're eating dinner, uh, Chevy Chase hallucinates that Dan Aykroyd's uh, phallic nose is actually, I guess, just a penis sticking just a out penis. of it. But we haven't even gotten there, so I'll, I guess I'll speed up to that point. They in go a on, movie that's basically a walking hallucination. They go, Yeah, they go on a chase. John Candy reaches them because he has afterburners on his car and <laughs> stops them with some, uh, some, he has some push button tricks on his dashboard that cause signs to pop up in the middle of the road and send them on a You're detour. Really, really granular with this. Yeah, well, they no, were speeding no, it up. Because Elliot. it's important. I think, feel like it sets up two important things. One, there's like a three John Candy podcast, is the right? only likable person in the movie. Yeah, all and, right. In his first character. And two, that there's a lot of push button gimmickry and gee whiz gadgets. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, they go, it's like a real Tomorrowland. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're detoured into this town that where the main business seems to be collecting junk and just strewing it about the roads. And Chevy Chase proceeds to read every sign on the road out loud because he is Andy like McDowell's an dad man. from Forget Paris. So. He's just like, uh, Applebee's and Applebee's. Look at that. Oh, Jiffy else. Lube. Yeah. Hmm, interesting. The amount of sign reading. <laughs> Barnes and the, Noble. There's the, a, a lot in this movie where... If something I never noticed as a kid, but which was pointed out and we, it was very clear while we were watching, is that there was a lot of voices dubbed in after the fact to add jokes or things or to fill <laughs> right. silences. Right. So there's a lot of like, you'll see a shot of something, you hear Chevy Chase go like, that doesn't look good. You know, like, <laughs> friendly folks around here. Let's walk down this hallway, then turn left. <laughs> uh, the wall's coming towards us. It's moving too fast. Here's a door, but it's locked. Like, the early 90s version of Patton Oswalt got paid a lot of money to punch that <laughs> stuff up. Yeah. Well, but the th- like, there are these moments of, I, I actually think that if you took out all those ADR ad lib lines, it might be a harrowing horror film. Yeah. <laughs> but instead they're like, mm, there's just a lot of silence in here. Let's get Chevy in here to just punch it up a little bit with, <laughs> with a couple of ad libs. And Chevy Chase probably came in and said, oh boy. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, uh, yeah, Chevy, that was great. Um, maybe just take another run at that. Maybe another joke. Nope, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> You're forgetting that I'm still a superstar. <laughs> right. Chevy, maybe take off your sunglasses. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a projection room. I don't know that you can see the screen. Boy, she's real ugly. I think we got it, guys. No, uh, Chevy, could you? <laughs> could you act you're like just... you're in the scene? Nope. You're just stating things that are true. Could you? But the, I don't a, think, a to C. I don't Chevy. think there was a, a, an instance of printed matter in the film <laughs> that Chevy right. Chase did not read out loud for the benefit, presumably, of uh, illiterate audience members. Not a single headline of a newspaper, <laughs> not a single street sign. It's like, hmm, turn left. <laughs> or he was doing it radio drama style later on where he was just like, oh, that almost hit us. Right, I mean, yeah. It, thanks. I thanks, wonder. Chevy. Yeah, did you think they were, this was going to double as like the tape version that kids could buy? To just <laughs> yeah. to the, cassette tape? the audio tape for long car. We're rides. running down the hallway. Beep. Turn the page. You are listening to Nothing But Trouble. You have reached the end of cassette A. Please put in cassette B of Nothing But Trouble. It's me, Bozo the Clown. Let me tell you a story about my friends, Chevy and Debbie. They had nothing but trouble. 
when you hear the beep, turn the page. <laughs> but uh, the so they they're. Pre- I wonder. I wonder how much nothing but trouble merchandise was made. <laughs> I have to during the movie. Well. I googled nothing but trouble merchandise, and I just found a bunch of Redbubble <laughs> accounts of people's. Uh, like Vulcanvania T-shirts they made. And really? Like, like later <laughs> yeah. bootleg stuff. Later bootleg stuff. Okay, like- Are you suggesting that there there's a small community of troubleheads? Nothing buddies? Hot boys. <laughs> I was going to say, troubleheads, <laughs> they consider to be a little bit of a slur. <laughs> but they're brought before this Justice of the Peace played by Dan Aykroyd, who is an aged fellow and the most grotesque character until later in the movie when we meet the really most grotesque <laughs> characters. And he takes sheer pleasure in killing anybody who he considers a criminal, especially bankers. Because a long time ago, bankers came and swindled them out of the title to this land, and they drilled underneath it and mined everything, and now it's hollow and full of fire. And they're forced to live there, I guess, and and just be in the middle of hell. And so he sentences them. He presides over a a disgusting clan of mutants. (laughs) But not in the front fun, the hills have eyes way. They're cooking and eating a baby. Right. In the not fun. In the horrifying, nothing but trouble way. (laughs) And Chevy Chase just cannot help but being a cynical jerk. Even when it's... He gets on the wrong side of this dude and he says, I will not murder you. You will stay overnight and have supper with us. (laughs) Basically, yeah. Just to keep this dumb movie going. But it's important right after after they drop him in a ball pit, yeah, it's uh, they, full of something that is squeaky, and they must have added so many squeaks after the fact. Every move or just everything. moment, there's you hear like, <laughs> and I think as a kid I thought it was full of rats because <laughs> of the squeakiness, but nobody reacts as if it is. They, like, they go through a trap door into a ball pit. Then I would th- fall into a pit full of rats long before I would spend 10 minutes with <laughs> Dan Aykroyd's company. Here's the deal, and I don't want to spoil this for anybody. <laughs> harsh, a harsh judgment. <laughs> If you go into if you go into this character's court, the character had about fifteen different names. He was credited as JP for Justice of the Peace, also known as Alvin, also known the as Reeve. the Reeve. Uh, and judge, they called him. judge, right? He's, and he's basically just he's it doesn't underestimate of, the audience. Like it trusts you to follow that stuff. That's yeah, right. And that he's yeah. the king of Valkenvania. They they spent a lot of time building that world. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> there was some some weird description, uh, uh, long uh, like everything else in this movie, long and unnecessary description of the political structure of this particular <laughs> shire <laughs> that it's still that it that it adhered to pre-colonial laws of some kind. Pre Magna Carta laws Pre- it's established <laughs> right, exactly. is what they go by, right? And so he has the power to kill anyone he wants, and it's yeah. There's every everything in this movie takes longer than it should. And so I wouldn't be surprised if Dan Aykroyd has like a 100-page packet of the history of these characters in this play. Oh, I think you're absolutely right. I yeah. mean, you know, the, the 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 world that he built for Ghostbusters is a th- ten thousand pages long in his own head. Yeah, I mean, we know this from. I've been trying to find if any, if any listener has one of these. I've been trying to find an original script for Ghostbusters when it was when it was about him and John Belushi traveling through time and alternate dimensions. And the idea, and there was like a version of New York that was like a hell version of New York. And the idea was that there were different teams of Ghostbusters that traveled through space and time fighting demon ghosts from other dimensions. Like, I want to read this script so badly because it's it's like, I don't know how that turned into Ghostbusters, one of the most stripped down, clearest concepts, which is that like three buddies fight ghosts. <laughs> like, it's this like, they're, well, like they're exterminators, basically. Yeah, they're exterminators, but for ghosts. This is how, this is how it happened. Someone said... Hey Dan, you're amazing. 
thank you for this. This is great. You're brilliant. Uh, but we're going to do this <laughs> instead. <laughs> and Dana goes, I, all right. <laughs> Sounds good to me. How many different characters with weird prosthetics on their face do I get to play? Well, right. But I mean, this was the movie where no one said to Dan Aykroyd. Yeah. No. They just said, yes. And this is what, this is the full, the pure distillation <laughs> of the spirit of Aykroyd and a crystal head skull <laughs> bottle. And he, so they're his captives. He feeds them a dinner of big hot dogs. They introduce him to his granddaughter, also played by John Candy. And, w- and we also see another group of ne'er-do-wells yes. featuring at least one Baldwin, mm-hmm. possibly three, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's the two couples who are drinking, doing drugs, driving too fast. Uh, I, they it, Like every crime a person could commit in a car, they're doing right. that. <laughs> yeah. And they get pulled over and they're sentenced immediately to... Uh, be put on a conveyor belt into a roller coaster that yep. takes the, that's called the what the bone strip Mr. Bone Stripper. Mr. Bone Stripper. Mr. Bone Stripper. <laughs> Sorry, Mr. Bone Stripper lives in Florida. <laughs> Call me Tad. <laughs> Tad Bone Stripper. <laughs> and so, and the bone stripper is just revolving gears and knives that literally strip the flesh from your bones and then spit the bones out of the target. There are so many piles of human bones in this movie, which as Dan pointed out, are almost all femurs. <laughs> a skull or a, or a rib cage. He's been killing a lot of people with 10 legs. <laughs> it's like in uh, in certain versions of the video game Mortal Kombat where you perform a fatality and it's all fucking, it's all like chicken bones flying <laughs> yeah. in the air after you punch somebody. You're yeah. like, that guy was four rib cages, I guess. <laughs> yes, Vulcanvania has a very high crime rate among centaurs because there's this extra like bones everywhere. I or really, like Spider-Man. I really like picturing you, Stuart, as a young man playing Mortal Kombat going, well, this is anatomically incorrect. <laughs> this is not possible. I'll stop masturbating now, I guess. <laughs> you made me a promise. No one go near this machine. If you must, perform a babality and not a fatality. <laughs> uh, right, so they kill so off... saying there was a pogrom amongst the centaurs in Vulcanvania. <laughs> and That's yeah, right. and, the, and this judge is to blame. Uh, and so they, it, so they, now that the stakes have been established, right. if they if they are on this judge's bad side, they Their will be killed. Their bones will literally be stripped. Yeah, and they don't get those bones back. The judge no. gets to keep them. They don't even right. get yeah. He keeps them in his walls. Along, yeah. <laughs> along with his slides. A series of slides and secret and passages. Doors. It's like the way a kid understands an old house to be, which is like, that's a big house. It must be full of traps and, and slides. Death. As opposed to, this is an old house. The structure really can't support all this extra stuff. <laughs> like, the walls are not going to be full of slides and machinery and stuff like that. But uh, the, uh, like, at this point... They're served a disgusting dinner. There's a train that goes around with condiments on it while a song plays. This happens twice. It was the, the, the Wabash Cannonball. Was yeah. the was song. it? Oh, yeah. I didn't recognize it's it. It's the centerpiece of the movie. Like, this <laughs> is where... And the centerpiece of the dinner yeah. table. Right. Sure. There's so many unnecessary gadgets, and every room is full. It looks like they went to somebody on the show Hoarders, and they were like, can we just shoot this movie in your house and uh, can we add some stuff? <laughs> we yeah, as long as you pay me in cat skeletons. <laughs> Throw a little few. Well, we bus- can't, but we have some femurs. <laughs> Good enough. Throw some more busted typewriters over there, and uh, some more old whatever. I don't know. Pick up. Go to the dump. Pick up like three tons of shit and just like drop it around the house. I would like to see. I'm going to look up who the set decorator. I mean, was the second set decorator did did. They didn't no, do he did a fantastic job. Yo, person's like, work. The quality of the job was not amazing, but the quantity of the job was astounding. But if you uh, the, if you, the set decorations are pretty amazing. If you find it inherently funny 
to have uh, phallic sausages served to people at a dinner. Oh boy! If you want to watch, <laughs> oh brother! If well, you let me, let me ask you. Let me ask you this question. I love that joke so much <laughs> that I'd like to see it seven or eight times. <laughs> <laughs> Does and, this movie have anything for me? And everybody, <laughs> oh sister. So John Candy and Drag is is is. Serving up sausages out of a steamer tray. Mm-hmm. Every time she presents it to someone, they react as if they've never seen a sausage before. And John, They're horrified by the very idea of something long and tube-shaped. Of, of like a delicious thing that everybody likes to eat. If Demi, like to be. Demi Moore takes about three minutes to manhandle a ants on the log onto her plate John as if Candy, she doesn't realize she could use her left hand to pick this piece of celery up. John Candy goes, ants on the log, and Demi Moore reacts as if it was the eyeball soup from Temple of Doom. Like she just said, oh, there's monkey brains. I don't know how to handle this. But so... After they now, this is where it is t- kind of a funny joke though. Like if I went to a formal dinner party and someone offered me ants, I would on hardly a log. call it a formal dinner party. <laughs> Look, there, <laughs> it's not black tie. <laughs> There's no place cards. Okay, you're right. They did not dress for dinner. It's just dinner. Yeah, but ants in the log is a is I guess is is a funny thing for them to serve. Yeah. And well, yeah. If it, I mean, if it had just been like ants on a log. Mm-hmm. Then that's the joke. Yeah, Done. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, but instead she's uh, like, whoa, 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 whoa. how do I pick this up? <laughs> how does any human handle this? I've, I've never understood this. Do I need tongs? Mm-hmm. But uh, so to make a long story short, they run around this mansion forever. Taylor Negron and his sister wife, I guess just his sister, they escape helped by John Candy. Mm-hmm. And Demi Moore and Chevy Chase find themselves in an attic full of driver's licenses from previous victims. Yeah, where they smoke the eighth cigar that Chevy Chase apparently has on. Chevy Chase is constantly pulling cigars out of his pocket and smoking them. And it's like, how many cigars? <laughs> he has a humidor jacket. Yep. <laughs> like, sure, I'll do this movie for you as a favor. You have, to, you have to pay me in cigars. Yeah. Underneath my suit jacket, I'm just going to be wearing a Chewbacca bandolier of cigars. <laughs> So just be ready for me to pull him out. He and Demi Moore hit it off because, I guess, the fear of death. The script said that it had to happen. (laughs) It's it's the realization that how large this conspiracy goes. Yeah. But also, like, if if, I have never seen, I think, in any movie, two larger blanks than these two main characters. I mean, they're rich yuppies, which means we like them because it's. Right. Oh, they made it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're successful. Yeah, yeah. Well, like I, I was saying while we were watching that this took place during the first of what I'm going to call the Trump crests, when Donald Trump went from being like a vulgar, horrible thing to like someone that people admired and wanted to be like, and then he fell back down again, and now he's back on the top of the second Trump crest. But like at the time, it was like, are you rich and like white and like attractive? You must be the best person in the world. Yeah, you're the hero of the movie now. Yeah, like you're yeah. the hero. You're yeah, Chevy Chase. Yeah. It's the t- Do you have a nice car? Oh, great. I love you. <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> Do you have clearly defined motives? No. Who cares? <laughs> it's, it's similar to how in Teen Wolf, his best friend Boof is objectively more attractive than the girl he's going after, but she's blonde and Boof is a brunette. So scientifically, Ugh, the blonde ugly. is is more the blonde is more desirable. You'll never get it. You'll never get works. over Boof. You're never going to get I over I like Boof. her a lot. Yeah, yeah. Brian. Well, I mean, I feel like she's got the name Boof. Which is and Boof inherently is a- adorable. <laughs> it adds an air of mystery to her. Yeah. How did she get that name? And what's her real name? The, there is <laughs> is a Nackman. There is zero, there is absolutely. I actually felt that Chevy Chase was like the movie opens in a realistic setting. Yeah, like where you feel like, oh, this is going to be some sort of screwball, you know, modern screwball comedy about uh, Wall Street, and Chevy Chase is. 
got a certain amount of charm to him. He's got a little bit of roguish charm and he's kind of underplaying everything. And I'm like, well, I'm going to see this movie. And then it takes this hard left turn into phony Tim Burton territory. <laughs> <laughs> and you never know why she's going along. And they have zero chemistry with each other. And then all of a sudden they are sentenced by the judge to spend the night together in a room. Mm-hmm. And then Which he, is like a sitcom judge sentence or like a yeah, romantic right. comedy movie. Like right. this couple's divorcing. Well, I sentence you to spend one night in the cabin alone <laughs> together to see if there really is no spark right. left. And guess Can what? you do that, judge? <laughs> There's no spark and there never was a spark. <laughs> they, they have zero, they, they, absolutely nothing about their characters or their performances suggest that they should be together chevy chase of course makes the moves on demi Moore, and every kind of. well i mean he's kind he of gives her a cigar uh, yeah, he gives her a cigar right i mean in a movie full of phallic symbols that was the most subtle one he could do <laughs> uh, and he kind of like makes a couple of sort of obligatory moves on her mm-hmm. and then she just goes i have to kiss you on your face yeah. a lot. <laughs> yeah. And I love you. And I fall for the wrong man all the time, but now I have to go to sleep. And then she goes away. And it was, it was such a strange. It, it moment, felt like, right? it felt like a dream sequence. And since it came shortly after a moment where we all assume Chevy chase dreams that Dan Aykroyd's character's nose is an actual penis. <laughs> what? <laughs> this is handled so poorly. Moments it's away from like, spurting semen all over the Dan hot dog. Aykroyd he's is, shoving his mouth. Dan Aykroyd's talking to him. It cuts to Chevy chase. It cuts back. And Dan Aykroyd is wearing a much more penis like prosthetic. And nose. it started out pretty penis like. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. then it cuts back to Chevy Chase and he's like, huh? And then it cuts back to Dan Aykroyd looking the way he did before in the slightly less penis nose. Right. But there's no like there's no filter on the image to make sure you know it's a dream. It's just like I can they, only- it, it's almost like they did a take with the wrong prosthetic on and then and then Dan Aykroyd saw his reflection in a mirror and was like, oh, we said no to this one because it looked too much like a penis. <laughs> Give me the other one. Guarantee. No, here's what I... <laughs> That's good. I'm just saying. I th- I'm assuming there's an entire cut of the movie where he shot with the more penis. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> like that's where I feel like they finally said to Dan Aykroyd, "We can't. You can't wear that. You can't wear that in the movie." And he's like, "Let me have it for one scene." <laughs> the first movie that got an NC-17 for explicit nose. <laughs> he said, "Trust me." It's gonna. It's people are gonna love it. You said the same thing about you getting a blowjob from a ghost, and it's the uh, one scene nobody likes in that movie, Dan. That's true. I just rewatched Ghostbusters with my children, and I'm like, oh, come on. <laughs> and that was part of a whole other sequence that that got cut. Yeah, go, my understanding go, of it. Well, go on. And, the and they, Museum of Natural History, or something like that. Something like that, or the Met, or I don't know. But yeah. like, how did you explain that to your child, to your children? By the way, yeah, <laughs> I Daddy, don't. Why did his eyes cross? <laughs> just, just stare straight ahead and don't make eye contact. <laughs> get through it and see if any questions bubble up. And it's like, no, all right, good. Look, you'll get blowjobs from a ghost when you're ready for it. <laughs> yeah, well, you'll understand when, later when a ghost blows yep. you. When a creep and a ghost love each other very much. Now I like to imagine that your children turn to you and they're like, Dad, is there anything you want us to explain about what just happened there? <laughs> yeah, right. Because I know you're from a more innocent time. That's true, that's true. <laughs> when there weren't ectoplasmic blowjobs all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> on Snapchat or whatever. Yeah. So they they manage to escape because John Candy pulls a lever that opens a door for them. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, he takes pity on them. He does. Uh, he, he's, a ni- he's the nicest guy. He's just trying to do his job as a policeman. Now, uh, th- now they're on the run. De- Je- Chevy Chase manages to watch as Dan Aykroyd gets ready for bed and pulls his own nose off. Mm-hmm. And then, no, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> you jumped ahead. Wait. First of all, before. 
he sees the nose coming off. They leave their bedroom. Then oh, yeah. a, a wall trick wall starts to, to crush, crush them. Chevy Chase narrates exactly what the wall is doing at every moment. And now mm-hmm. it's five feet away. Now it's three feet away. Now it's two feet away. Let's go up these stairs. Oh, it's a blind staircase. They go up into the attic. It's That's- rigged. There's a, a booby trap in the attic that or they almost get crushed by a safe. <laughs> because Wiley Coyote, Wiley Coyote designed this house <laughs> yes, for them. Exactly, because uh, the the attic is the repository of all of the uh, driver's licenses and passports that have been confiscated it's, by the Dan Aykroyd character and his his forefathers over hundreds of years. Yeah, it's the rare evidence attic. Right. Instead yeah. of the evidence at the top, instead of in the dungeon. Right, exactly. Uh, they get, but the, but they end up going down slides that are. Then they the go down slides, but the slides take a, a, a make a, a, a forking path. Yeah, Chevy Chase watches Dan Aykroyd get ready for bed, and mm-hmm. Demi Moore ends through up through his Porky's hole. Yeah, <laughs> and De- Demi Moore ends up in, and Dan Aykroyd catches him and whatever, and Demi Moore ends up in the junkyard where we finally meet the least, the most grotesque uh, characters, the most unpleasant thing, which in the are movie. two. Enormous. And let's just say again, this babies. is a movie in which Dan Aykroyd has a penis on his nose. <laughs> it's unmistakably a penis. It's like Dan Aykroyd was like, I'm worried there are people who are still going to be like enjoying this movie. <laughs> <laughs> there might still be people in the theater by this point. Like, How yeah. can we get them out? <laughs> because this is an elaborate <laughs> producer style scam. Yeah. <laughs> because I'm trying to make the least successful movie in history. How do we drive out that extra person who <laughs> fell asleep during the beginning of the film and is still in there? I have about two enormous. Mentally deficient man babies who are wearing huge They're latex really, fat suits that jiggle a lot and are constantly yeah, wet. Yeah, they've got double, double like man, double boobs. man, double man boobs, and huge dirty diapers, mm-hmm. and, <laughs> and ta- a giant. Gut and, and, they're, and they're all really oily and talk in like a duh duh type way, and it's implied have like, become sexually attracted to Demi Moore or maybe want to eat her. Like it's you know they keep her in a cage and play and, and play with cards giant with her. Man babies. <laughs> right. know, they play cards with, and it's like it's at that point I feel like where the movie has gone from semi realistic to bizarre. That's and the then from point, bizarre to like nightmare. That's the point that Dan Aykroyd put into the movie. He was like, this is gonna be really great for people who have a really high fever when they're watching this at home. <laughs> because <laughs> they'll yeah. be trying to explain it to people later on, and the other people will be like, no, that didn't happen. Sure, like, you saw surely the man then. babies. Sure, you saw it. No, no, I did, Sarge. I, I, I promise I did. Take him away, boys. <laughs> these these oh, two. Why did I try to explain this to an Irish police officer? <laughs> Take him away. Nothing to see here. Certainly no man babies. These two characters are so shockingly repulsive on every level. <laughs> Everything about them. That I, I kind of was speechless for a moment and I and there was a moment I was wondering like, maybe I have this all wrong. Maybe this is art. <laughs> I, had to, I had to leave the room at this point. <laughs> it's, I can't help during scenes like this in movies, I can't help imagining like, what was it like to be on set while they're shooting this? Like, was anyone there under the impression that, like, this is funny stuff that we're making? Like, just imagine, like, the technical crew who they don't give a shit about the content of the movie they're working on. A job's a job. And they have to watch these two overpaid actors, one of whom is also the director, and is giving them direction <laughs> while wearing this giant oiled-up man-baby costume. And they have to watch him jiggle around and, like, and do like, a dumb guy voice. Gaga. <laughs> How what? do you work for this man? Hold this that? thing. I'm trying to kill someone. I have seen those are the last scenes shot because nobody would work with Dan Aykroyd after that. What I would love is it's one of the last days and the makeup artist is like, 
Look, I brought my son. He's a huge Ghostbusters fan. He's always wanted to meet Dan Aykroyd. Let me bring him on the set today. <laughs> oh, no, he has to meet him this day. And it's like that, that what is it, the long jaunt? Like, this, the, the kid, the kid, his hair goes white, and he's blind, and he's just like, ah! Yeah, King short story. The kid's <laughs> eyes have been torn out. It's longer than you think. But, uh, the, but uh, she... They, uh, you know, luckily, uh, Dan Aykroyd. Well, then they reunite and, and escape. I mean, who cares? Well, is there, is there a point? Chase, like, Chevy point. Calls, no, because point, we, who cares? we skip both that one. Chevy Chase is almost forced to marry Dan Aykroyd's granddaughter, played by John Candy. He right. does. So, he does marry. He does her. marry her to get out of being killed, and then explicably, inexplicably, Digital Underground oh, right, shows I up. That, you, you that, that is worth talking that. about. That performs a song. Dan Aykroyd boogies with them by playing the organ, and then allows them to go. But first, just, they'll be the band. Excuse me, just for the Digital Underground people in the audience. The song they performed was uh, all the same song. <laughs> uh, I think it's from Sex Packets, uh, and it features both Shakji and uh, Humpty. So that's not as well as well as backing vocals by Tupac Shakur. So it's not a song that they wrote for the movie. That was already a no, and maybe song. it wasn't on Sex Packets. Maybe it was in their follow up record because that would be around the time of their follow up. I remember record. the and, video. And this is probably though. them trying to launch. Their next album. Yeah, the video had a bunch of stuff from the movie because I hadn't seen the movie when I saw the video and I was like, this looks great as a child. <laughs> For some reason, like clips of this movie were just enough to uh, like give me a little bit of a taste, a little bit of an appetizer. So what yeah. You Could Be Mine was to Terminator 2, one of the better syntheses of song to video that's mainly scenes from a movie. Uh-huh. This was to all the same song. Kinda. I mean, I don't remember it features a scene at the end where, like, that wasn't featured in the actual movie where characters interact, like at the end of the You Could Be Mine video yeah, where that, yeah. you, he, the Terminator he, determines that Guns N' Roses are, in fact, a waste of ammunition. Yeah, yeah or, or <laughs> Freddy Krueger in that Dokken video. Yeah, where he's like, who are those guys? They're super terrifying. <laughs> yeah. but, well, uh, did, when you saw, the, vid- when you saw the, the video of the song, did it include the... Dan Aykroyd and old man prosthetics jamming out on the pipe organ I'm sure sequence. It did I don't know what was wrong with me as a child? I think my parents let me watch TV in the basement, and it just worked my I mean, mind. Well, you lived you lived in a house that was full of that slides and traps and <laughs> trap doors. Because he's sending people through the bone eating roller. Mister Bone Stripper. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Mister Bone Stripper. My, my parents told me our family stripper. history with like a burned out half TV set that they <laughs> Mr. Bone Stripper. Because, he, strip li- because you. he lived in the Mr. play, bone the skin of our teeth. Stripper. <laughs> you know, this is a weird mashup strip. of modern and ancient times. Uh, I like uh, I like this soft uh, melodic version of the Mr. Bone Stripper theme. Yeah. This is the this is the Mr. Bone Jangles version. <laughs> Mr. Bone Jangles. No, but it is worth Mr. Bone Stripper strip some bones for me, you know. This is a uh, it is worth mentioning that the digital underground thing is easily the best scene of the movie because it is just a musical break. You, you get to forget the, that the movie is not happening. You get to forget the movie that is happening. Digital underground's doing what they do best, yeah. make music. There's women in skimpy clothes dancing around. It's suddenly like we're watching The Box. The old uh, music video channel where you would call in and pay three dollars to get them to play a video, and the video "Pop Your Coochie" was constantly playing. <laughs> but uh, it's shot- wearing his nose, and we're all and all is right with the world. <laughs> Look, you guys, as I mentioned, I am Brookline, Massachusetts' biggest digital underground fan, and I love that band, and I lo- I think Shock G is a genius. I think Humpty Hump is an incredible invention. And I think their songs are terrific. And that guy, I 
Shakchi, if you're out there, call me because I want to know what's going on with you. Because that guy had tons of charisma in that movie. He should have been a movie star. He was, and Tupac, yeah. Tupac was also like commanded the screen the few seconds he was on it's it. It's amazing how much gen- like genuine magnetism they have in this yeah. one scene. Yeah. And there's a part where they're leaving and Chevy Chase is like, no, no, no. And he goes, and he goes, hey, I was I was nervous on my wedding day too. And as he's walking out, and it is the funniest joke in the whole <laughs> yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. And he's, the most genuine ad lib. Yeah. <laughs> he's created a character. You're like, I want to know more about this. I want to know. I want to follow. Can we go with he's, You're like, he's married. Can we go with them now? <laughs> yeah, that's right. He's got a backstory all of a sudden. It's one of the few movies where he left and followed a bunch of basically featured players <laughs> and just follow them on their adventure like I guess like Pulp Fiction style right and be like this was yeah that was the right creative choice to make <laughs> that was a crazy thing that just happened but now I'm glad we're the digital underground Tupac so Chevy Chase said I looked it up that he hated the script but he okay. had to make it because Dan Ackard was his friend and it was the worst movie he had ever been in in the next year he would make Memoirs of an Invisible Man and then the year after that, he made Cops and Robertsons. The year after this movie, Tupac Shakur, Tupac Shakur was in Juice. Okay. And was suddenly a true movie star. So you're saying, saying that yeah, they, yeah. they peed in a fountain Yeah, together. they held a magic <laughs> skull that was on set. Something happened. So you're saying Something Chevy happened. Chase was meant to be murdered in, in, a, in a drive-by, whereas Tupac Shakur it should be on community. Well, <laughs> I, you know what? I think all of America is agreeing with you right now. <laughs> <laughs> and we all and we all know how the West Coast rappers hated Chevy Chase. <laughs> I mean, huge a, feud. Look at history, man. It was a subset of the everybody versus Chevy Chase feud, the Planet Earth versus Chevy Chase oh, battle. I can God. only imagine Chevy Chase and Dr. Dre at the California Love video, tooling around in a post-apocalyptic wasteland in a dune buggy, right? Just rescuing those babes from that warlord. <laughs> Uh, now, uh, so Chevy the, Chase is humming "Call Me Al." <laughs> <laughs> so in the, the escape, uh, there's a wonderful moment where they're escaping in what remains of Chevy Chase's car, and Demi Moore says, "There's no seatbelts," and he goes, "There's no roof," and their mouths are not moving while these lines come out. So at that point, they're like, "Fuck it!" When I know they're on camera, we'll just dub it in anyway. And uh, they escape. They go to the police. The police come with them to the judge's house with huge convoy of troopers and everything because this man has been murdering people for decades turns out they're all the judge's friends they love him they like yeah. that he's taken out the trash and they're about it's to horror. it's a I classic guess. horror movie reversal yeah that it turns out the world is insane turns out dr saperstein's in on it <clears throat> yeah that's uh you we, know what i'm talking about i think so it's a Rosemary's Baby reference. Oh, okay. That's what I thought you we meant. call that a malign paradigm shift. <laughs> when you realize that all the other patrons the in the name. in the medieval bar that you're in are actually werewolves. <laughs> 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 Everything you thought about reality is wrong. Yeah. Yeah. It's a real society take. Yep, exactly. Uh, so the then luckily, luckily the movie doesn't linger on that moment long at all. No, the one movie gets back to the laughs. Of genuine unsettlingness. Uh sorry. They uh-oh, luckily, the earthquake that's been hinted at throughout the movie because the ground is so unstable. Well, there's been, a, there's been a coal fire for 26 years. Oh, that's right. Which is based on Centralia, Pennsylvania. Yes. Where there has been a coal fire that has been burning for now probably 46 years. If only years. Pennsylvania was within driving distance of New York, and they could have set the movie there. <laughs> but unfortunately, it's on the other side of the country. Right. Uh, they... And I guess because Chevy Chase blew up a bunch of barrels trying to escape from the 
uh, the like full body guillotine that the men baby were about to subject Demi Moore through <laughs> against that, their will. They loved her. Yeah, that that hit a fault line, I guess, or something. Uh, which also then I didn't allowed, make that connection. That's my guess. I don't know because it's not very clear. Yeah, well, I mean, at that point, I had stopped worrying about whether anything was causing anything else to happen <laughs> in the movie at all, or if it was just happening. That's, I mean, the movie posits a world where there is no logic or causality. <laughs> right. And well, the, God or hates un, a, yeah, hey, uncaring God. Yeah, God, not only uncaring. <laughs> hates man <laughs> and wants man to suffer and has brought much like the judge in blood meridian uh we have the judge in nothing but trouble who is just an agent of evil mm-hmm. who perhaps is as old as the universe and will outlive man and exists only to take joy in the seduction and then destruction of others but so the, that hits they escape again and they're back in new york and they find out on a, the tv news that the judge has survived and he's going to come get them chevy chase literally jumps up and you see a Chevy Chase-shaped hole in the yeah. wall as if he ran through it like yeah. Bugs Bunny. <laughs> Merry-go-round broke down plays on the soundtrack. <laughs> I mean, if this was Gremlins 2, I'd be like, yes, definitely. And that was the, that the, the moment, uh, so Chevy Chase is in New York and he's watching coverage. That was one of the many coverage. moments in which I looked over at Hodgman to see <laughs> how did he react to this. <laughs> well, because that was the return of, of the penis nose at that moment, too. Do you, I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was, the, the, it was not just that the, the, so Chevy Chase is in New York watching television coverage of the mine fire and they find an, uh, an old uh, vagrant and it turns out to be Dan Aykroyd and he turns to the camera and he's got that penis nose on and he's like, I'm coming for you. And then Chevy goes, goes feet don't fail me now. <laughs> <laughs> the end. Yeah, and everyone's like, thank you. And the credits roll and somewhere in the dusty corner of a planet Hollywood the facial prosthetic of Dan Aykroyd sits. <laughs> I like to think there's a planet Hollywood in like Bangkok that's been demolished because right. it, it couldn't sustain itself. And right. all the props are taken out except that one. And the camera pushes through the rubble right. and pushes past like uh, there's a there's a group of street people who are coming down with strange diseases. <laughs> and it pushes in on that prosthetic and it just glows briefly and then cut to credits. Like it's, it's evil is still inside it waiting for a new host. Now I'm going to say something. That may be controversial at this table. Wow, okay. Mm. Okay. Let me steal myself. I felt that Dan Aykroyd's performance was fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) I think I'll give you that he is... He is playing that character as much as that character can be played. Yes. It's just he gives himself no funny things to do. Well, he shouldn't be funny. He should be be creepy. This was Dan Aykroyd's attempt to make either a horror movie or like a horror comedy... Mm -hmm. Uh, either like a gothic horror comedy like a Tim Burton or, as we were saying, like a, a, a freak-out horror comedy like Texas Chainsaw. And the the problem was he couldn't make a Tim Burton movie because he doesn't have good taste or discretion or restraint of any kind. <laughs> and he doesn't know how to direct a movie. <laughs> <laughs> Tim, Tim Burton, a director that, known for his restraint. Well, right. But I mean, like, point, when you think about, maybe, when yeah, you think about this movie in, in contrast to, like, Beetlejuice, which had sure. a, a lot of upper-class... Sort of, you know, the 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 straights in the movie were these yeah. upper class rich people, uh-huh. and that uh, you know they were they were the grotesques, and the yeah. monsters were the sort of um, freewheeling agents of chaos that you kind of liked, even when Beetlejuice was terrifying, right? Well, so if you it, in this movie, it, they had it the other way around. They made the monsters, you know, they they made the grotesque characters the villains and the rich people, the heroes, when it should have been the other way around. Well, when you're talking about like country versus city, 
uh, the country is only good in a horror movie. Like the the right. or the the or the country are the like the the oppressors in a horror movie because it's like the backwoods maniacs. In a comedy, country always beats city. Like city's always Just the bad about, guys. Yeah. Right. Because, and because Crocodile because, Dundee's. If that's a comedy, is that a comedy? Sure, yeah, sure. But city's bad. Like, in like you know, like even if even if country in a horror movie is uh is an agent of. Uh, murder, right, and <laughs> sure. and terror and horror. It's always because the city kids deserve it. Yeah, that's be- fair. Because they're shallow, or they kissed each other, or something. You know, or they 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 cross some taboo. I mean, in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I think it's just that they're super irritating. Uh, uh, TCM one or TCM two? Uh, TCM one, especially wheelchair kid. <laughs> wheelchair is, kid. I think it's that, Joe that's Bob. what's so brave about that movie is it made wheelchair kid the worst. I think it was Joe Bob Briggs who was saying that like never has an audience wanted a handicapped character to be murdered more than in that movie. Well, that's why that movie is art. <laughs> yeah, is and that's why what? this movie is not. But there's like so Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I remember the first time I saw that. There's the scene where they wake up Grandpa. And right. he's going to – they want him to use a hammer to bash that woman's oh head my in. God, it's and he the just most... can't quite lift it up. And they're like, come on, Grandpa. Come on, Grandpa. And it's so frightening and disturbing, but it's kind of funny that like yeah. – But And it was like that That moment is what every moment of Nothing But Trouble wants to be. But right. Yeah, but it can't pull it off. It's just right. not successful. Right. It, it, yeah. And, uh, and it, instead, the movie becomes scarier for that. Like, it's not as scary as Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So it's scarier to me that somebody wanted to make this movie. Like, this right. madman is on the loose selling vodka. Yeah. In, this is like, in real life, there's a, there's a monster out there. Yeah. <laughs> there's a Canadian monster <laughs> who's completely unpredictable. And we don't know, we don't know what's motivating him. <laughs> and, and he's making us do things against our will. Like, he held that cast against their will in, in that, and, and not just the cast, but the crew as well. And there are cast who, I mean, John Candy also delivers a great performance. Like, he commits to what is, he had to have known it wasn't good. Right, but yeah. that's because he could tap into his his character, who I think is supposed to be the grandson of yeah. Dan Aykroyd, who's been the sheriff in town all this time. Yeah, and he kind of takes pity on these people and oh, okay. kind of just wants to get them out of there. And that's because he was able to tap into his own feelings about the movie. Like, let me... Let me just be straight with you. You don't want to be here. <laughs> <laughs> Let me, when, he, when he's saying to Chase, he says to Chase's Chase character, like, look, I'm going to ignore the fact that you were speeding. You went through a stop sign. Let me just take you to the judge. I'll recommend you have a fine. Then you can go. And Chevy Chase talks himself into a death sentence. Right. But it's like John Candy saying to the audience, just let's just end the movie now. Yeah, let's just look. I'm yeah. gonna let's just figure it out. Right, go. You probably got a I couple. Forgi- I, for- I forgive you for buying the ticket. <laughs> I know you paid five dollars to see this, and then another four for popcorn. Right, take the popcorn home. Finish yeah. it there. Cut your losses. Go Cut watch- your losses and get out. Look, it's 1991. It's Friday. Go right. watch TGIF. Right, there's a new Perfect Shoot. Strangers. Maybe Full House. Put that put that popcorn in the fridge. It'll be good tomorrow, right? <laughs> you know what? Yeah. Sometimes I like it. You stir your popcorn, right? In the fridge? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It keeps it crisp. Just keep it in there. <laughs> put it in the crisper. <laughs> that's, that's what it's for. Yeah. But popcorn it's, crisper drawer. What is the science behind the crisper? <laughs> uh, well, there's what, what we call crisp elves, which are tiny elves <laughs> that make things crisper <laughs> by adding little bits of cement. Are they are they crisp elves or crisp imps? Uh, that's, that's a question that science has really Saint been debating Crispin's for a long day. time. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, Crisp Imp Glover uh, is no. one of the main no. <laughs> But what I'm saying is, if someone else had had produced and directed this movie and just said, uh, here's here's what happens. The 
the creeps from the city are creeps and they need to be punished. And your character has to be actually not funny, but terrifying. Dan Aykroyd's performance, even if you just re-edited that movie, I bet you it would be totally watchable and weird performance. Mm, Cause I don't necessarily, I thought he, I mean, I thought he, he, he acted the heck out of that. thing. I don't mind that any of our heroes are being put through the ringer. Like they're not likable at all. I don't mind that they have to suffer a little. Right. I want to get Rob Zombie to go back and re-edit that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Rob Zombie's nothing but trouble. Rob. It's such a crazy origin story if it turned out that this was his favorite movie growing up. <laughs> oh, everything makes sense about you now, Rob Zombie. It, it's, it's very, what are the, House of 10,000 Corpses? House of 10,000 yeah. Corpses and uh, what's the one about the devils? Uh, the Devil's, devil's rejects. rejects. Devil's Rejects. Yeah. Did you like those movies? I've never seen all of them, all of them all the way through. Like I've only seen pieces. They're so. ridiculous, but kind of great. And I haven't seen. Yeah, yeah. I like, I like, I like those movies. I like the Devil's Rejects up until the final scene. Spoiler alert: where they feature a lot of people. Da, 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 okay. Well, I mean, it's, <laughs> sorry, I just do that sometimes. When, when, when I see that, when I see these movies, it's going to be based around if I'm ever alone and Danielle's out of town, because I know there's certain movies I can't even watch when I know she might walk through the room because <laughs> I don't want to expose her to like the images that she's going to see. If I'm watching it on the iPad while I'm doing the dishes, which is when I watch most of my movies these days, I know there's a chance she might walk over to get a glass of water and see something that. <laughs> oh, she does what not you want watching there? What's that? Oh, is that one of them? Oh, those those devil rejects? Uh, it's just uh, somebody's grandma. Pa trying to hit someone with a hammer. Yeah. Is that Bill Mosley? I love that actor. Oh, are you watching a Sid Haig movie? What's Sid Haig up to nowadays? That's when you turn into an Irish cop. Move along. No, nothing to see here. Nothing to So, should we go to Final Judgment? Yeah, we should go to Final Judgment. I liked it. Movie I kind of liked. No. Is this a movie? Is this a good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie, or a movie you kind of liked? I'm going to start off and say that this may no longer be my least favorite movie of all time. I will say that because we've gone through so much in our years doing the flop house that I've seen so many movies that bore me so much more than this movie. Mm-hmm. This movie, like I, there's something it has a uh, quixotic uh, charm to it. That, yeah. Like I'm just baffled by why anyone did it. <laughs> that makes me kind of, it's kind of lovable in a weird way. I'm so glad that doing this podcast for eight and a half years has accomplished something. Yeah. You it's... hate nothing but trouble slightly less. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my feelings on it. It's, 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 it's just such a weird movie that I kind it's kind of Stockholm syndrome me a little bit. Did you, uh, did you give John our categories? Oh, well, the, I mean, yeah. he just said them. I mean, a good, right. good, good, bad movie. I know, yeah. Good, okay. bad, bad, bad. Bad, bad. I think that these are self-explanatory categories. Yeah. I think, I I think you're humoring movie. somebody who's drunk and wasn't paying attention. <laughs> That's me, Stuart. <laughs> I mean, so I think been it was... have been doing this for years. You shouldn't <laughs> what was the third? What, so the categories are good, bad, bad, bad. And a movie you kind of like. And a yeah, movie you kind of like. So it's a movie that actually have. like transcends the like... Oh, I'm just watching this bad movie for fun, like irony. Where you're like, oh, I enjoyed this on a on a sincere level. But a good right. bad movie, something that you're like, this is stupid. I'd watch this with friends and have some yucks. And bad bad is just get get it away. Yeah, yeah. get it away. Yeah. <laughs> Which this movie is still a bad bad movie. Uh, as a child, I would say that this is a good great movie. I love this thing. <laughs> Gro- as a grown up, I do not like it at all. It's terrible. Did you enjoy it as a child? Did you I watch it as a child? Have, and- I watched it a bunch as a child. I'm sure. And like, I I think I like the like carnival aspect of it. And I'm you know I like horror movies a lot. So I think this I'm the Rob Zombie in this story. <laughs> um, One of Dan. us has to be. I I you know I really feel that it 
verges on bad, bad, just because I've rarely been physically repulsed in a way like, well, not physically, you know, I I've seen, I see gory movies. I see weird movies. Like I saw those Rob Zombie movies. Like that's, that's some hard stuff to sit through, mm-hmm. but I, I found it compelling in this case. I found it, um, mind bendingly confusing as to what, why a human would ever think another human would even look at such a thing. It didn't sell, it didn't <laughs> sell its imagery in any way. It didn't make it, didn't make it. And, and yet I, I have to say that I think that it was truly a, an expression of one individual's personal creativity, uh, wildly misguided, uh, and, uh, and a, a grotesque train wreck that I am glad to have seen after all of these years. So I don't want to say it's a good, bad movie like, hey, you put this on, you'll have a great time. But I, I, am, I, I think I have to say that it's a bad, bad movie, but every now and then I think we need to see what a really bad, bad movie is to remind us. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's a character-building experience. Yeah, it is. It's not boring. It's like I agree with Dan. It's not boring. It's compellingly awful. And yeah. there are many, many, many questions that it raises that I like thinking about. And now the question, like, could it have been good? And and I think it could have been good. And if people say nothing but trouble to you, you will think of things from this movie. <laughs> like, there are images that will haunt oh, you, I would imagine. never go away. Well, that's, I, like, I think I am with Dan only in that I don't, I didn't hate it as much as I did as a child. If only because I now have the emotional stability as an adult to be able to say, like, no. That is not the world that I live in. I recognize that this is a this is a strange way of viewing things. As opposed to when I was a kid, when I was like, I like I've seen these people in other movies and they're really funny. So if I think this is horrifying and not enjoyable, like, am I wrong here? Right. So it made you question your own sanity. Yeah. So it's right. a bad, bad movie. But by watching with you guys, I feel like I've exercised some of those demons. A <laughs> yeah. Little bit. I think yeah, it's yeah. because it's, we've all had some good therapy. And I don't know. I still don't know why, as a kid, I watched it so many times just because it was on. Right. Know? But, but like this, there are certain scenes in this. There's a shot in the movie where. Taylor Negron and his sister are just walking in a funny way into a parking garage. And like that moment was burned into my brain. And like, there's so many random shots in this that I remember so well. And I'm like, okay, good. Now I can kind of lay, lay them to rest a little bit. You know, <laughs> I've delivered, I've delivered the, uh, the, the mummified corpse of mama's baby to her. And now maybe she'll leave my own children alone. <laughs> That's totally not going to happen. <laughs> no. Spoiler alert at the end of mama. The They're like, you want this right? And mama's like, no, I don't, I don't want this garbage. Child. Football spike. I'm going to turn into a wig and crawl around the ground a little bit again. So Dan, that <clears> sounds good, right? Yeah. Dan is busy adjusting a cat in some way. And so, uh, Dan, I'm glad that we had some group therapy tonight. Yeah, I mean, this was very helpful for me. You guys worked through a lot of stuff having seen this movie many times, and, and I've worked through something having never seen it before. Sorry, Archie somehow managed to get his cone off, and I had to put the cone back on. Archie got neutered recently, so. Archie's Dan's cat, uh, not a human in the apartment. Uh, not a human with a cone. By the way, Dan keeps a number of uh, humans uh, Dan, prisoner in his home, and they yeah, make yeah, him wear cones, and he well, we makes them go through Mr. Bone, <laughs> bone, bone Stripper. Cone Stripper. Now, if they, <laughs> yeah, but what listeners may never have known is that Dan is a kind of gothic, grotesque justice of the peace in a tiny town known as Dan's apartment. Dan, you are in Pennsylvania. Sylvania. You're inviting some <laughs> terrible fan art, Ellie. Oh, yeah, I don't want that. Yeah, Dan, get ready for a picture of you as the, as the... This is one of the few movies where I feel like I've never seen an image of it online, 
And there's a reason for that because they're horrifying to look at. Yeah, like, it's not like you go to Comic Con and you're like, "Oh, look at all this great nothing but trouble cosplay." <laughs> oh, yeah, right. <laughs> oh, that little you know devil. what? That would be that would be amazing. To call this Bobo and little Bobo devil. and little devil. Little, it's it's little devil. <laughs> little I devil. read. I looked in the credits. <laughs> I now have a cat in my lap. The aforementioned cat has leapt up. Into my uh, lupped up, lupped up, lupped up. Yep, that's the sound a heart makes. Lupped up, lupped up, lupped up. Um, but uh, why am I laughing? I, I urge was as you, surprised as you were. I urge you not to uh, skip ahead on your uh, podcast machine, even though we're going to take a little moment to uh, ask you for some uh, money. Yeah, yeah, we're is, gonna we're gonna shake you. Hopefully, some money will fall out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and land now, in uh, the max fund coffers. Now everyone has money that they use to buy lunch. During the school day, mm-hmm. we yeah. want you to give us your lunch money mm-hmm. in exchange, <laughs> normally for nothing, in exchange normally for not being beaten. Yeah. But for this case, it's an exchange for high quality audio entertainment. We'll keep the other bully podcasts away from you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's cool. It's cool. He plays. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're anything like me, uh, you you have uh, a neutered cat in your lap. <laughs> you're massaging your glands up. Then I'm. Des- desperately trying to keep from leaping across uh, into uh, my co-host's allergic face. Because much like a ghost to Dan Aykroyd, uh, Archie wants nothing more than to shove his face in my lap. Mm-hmm. And me being allergic, I don't like that. There's mm-hmm. so many episodes now where I've had to maintain focus on what I'm saying while I'm shoving a cat out of my lap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I've had to talk while playing with a cat with some kind of a colored string toy. Yeah, that's a big cross to bear. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, what I was going to say is if you're anything like me, uh, podcasts are actually a pretty major uh, source of entertainment in your life. I listen to them more often than not when I'm commuting. I listen to them when I'm walking around in the city. Doing chores, uh, probably. Doing, yeah. Fashioning new cat cones. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. In the, uh, in the dark of the night when you're keeping the demons at bay. I'm just saying. I like, need some other voice to drown out the one in my head. They're a source of entertainment for me that. But not just entertainment. Information. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, companionship. Uh, companionship. Comfort in the dark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I want to know some digital underground facts. I will go to John Hodgman. Look, <laughs> let me just. I'm going to break it down for you guys. And maybe this is a little too harsh. Ultimately, we're all alone in the universe. Okay. okay. No one will ever be inside Let's our head. see where with you're it. going with this. And nobody <laughs> will ever touch our soul. But we can have the closest possible thing to that when we form the intimate connection that comes with listening. Where better to listen than from a collection of <clears throat> talented and intelligent and articulate individuals known as the Maximum Fun Network? Mm-hmm. If you want to feel a little bit less like one star in a vast expanse of darkness, <laughs> donate. I'm just saying that I get more enjoyment and uh, entertainment out of podcasts than I do out of many uh, services that I pay money for. Like what, erotic massage? (laughs) (laughs) Like, uh, I didn't say happy ending, but it was strongly implied in the advertisement. What's the one where they oil up and then they rub their whole body on you? I'm not saying I get more entertainment out of podcasts than I get from erotic massage. (laughs) That would be madness. Right. Well, I think we've all established that podcasting is worth more than erotic massage. Question is, how much money are you going to spend for mm-hmm. us to give you a happy ending you on both- this podcast? <laughs> you know, 
be so weird if that ended with us just narrating a happy ending for the audience. So let's not do that. But what do you get if, say, we mentioned there's a $5 entry barrier. Right. So $5 a month, uh, you get access to all the exclusive bonus members-only content that MaxFun offers. This is literally hundreds of hours of special shows that the Flophouse has recorded, that other podcasts like Judge John Hodgman and all the other podcasts that you love at Maximum Fun have recorded just for donors And uh, not only do you get this year's bonus content, but all of the previous year's bonus content, it's tons of fun for you. It's a ton of great stuff. I can specifically say that uh, we did two live shows uh, this year already at the Bell House, two sellout shows. One of them is going to show up in your um, regular feed at some point. But if you want to hear what we thought about the Entourage movie... The only way to do that is to uh, donate to Max Fun at the five dollar a month or better level, because uh, then you will get the bonus episode where we talk about Entourage. The only and other alternative would be to kidnap us, make us watch it again, and then have us talk about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. If you're Dan Aykroyd, you probably could send agents <laughs> to kidnap all of Dan us and bring Aykroyd. bring us to your weird Canadian mansion, <laughs> full of ghosts and, and skulls, ply us with a crystal head vodka. <laughs> And was, and make and make us do it, or make you guys do it again, and me for the first time. I hope I get kidnapped with you. By the way, that'd be that's one of the fun. many things that I wish. One of the many reasons why I wish I was the producer in charge of MTV's Cribs, because I would totally <laughs> be going to Dan Aykroyd's crib. Right today on I'm Cribs, assuming it's Peter all like Weller, Scarface memorabilia. It's a what's lot it, of motorcycles. What's it like at Jeffrey Combs's house? <laughs> we decided to find out. <laughs> Yeah, uh, we. Uh, but Dan, you mentioned an important Today thing. Today ribs, Brian Yuzna. <laughs> Dan, you mentioned an important thing, which is uh, uh, the, these uh, these uh, thank you gifts that you get are cumulative. So That's if you true. give, let's say you give at the ten dollar per month level, you'll get the chance to choose a bandana, mm-hmm. which of each there one of twenty two bandanas, each one designed specifically for each of the shows at Maximum Fun. They're very sharp indeed, but again, not. Cutting sharp, just good looking sharp. Yeah. Yeah, and absolutely. then you would also get all the bonus content. And if you go up again, and now I'm turning a page. What's what's the next the behind the scenes what's podcasting the na- what's magic? What's the name of the next level, John? That's uh the Max Fun Adventure Necessity Collection. At twenty dollars a month, you're gonna get uh, a multi-tool, uh, like a, a Swiss Army knife. Okay. Right? With the Max Fun logo, hot chocolate packet, a paracord bracelet, and camping toilet paper. You get toilet paper. Huh? So, like camping supplies. Yeah, you if you're trapped in the uh, woods, if you're trapped in the woods, as people get trapped in the woods, often. Right, people get lost in the woods. <laughs> well, the theme, the theme of all of these is is ad, ad, adventure. I got locked yeah, into yeah. the woods. Po- podcasting is is the adventure of the mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so and you know, audiobooks are movies for your mind, right? As we know. And uh, let's say you're uh, you're you're you have a little bit extra money to spend. Maybe you're one of these characters from uh, maybe one of these heroes from this movie we just saw. (laughs) (laughs) This do nothing lawyer and this do nothing rip off artist uh, stock tip. You already bought your car phone and your Your, GPS and your Beetlejuice patterned couch. Right, and you still have (laughs) you have thirty five dollars a month left over that you want to throw over to Maximum Fun. Well, guess what? You get a vacuum thermos. Uh, with the Maximum Fun logo on it, plus the adventure kit, plus all of the bana- the mm-hmm. bandana, plus everything else, the bonus content. And if you send in, uh, to if you email to me at hodgman at maximumfun.org, your receipt, I will mispronounce your name on Instagram and Tumblr and Twitter, all my social means. Wow. That's not, that's, e- great. that's not even an official... Uh, no, that's just extra, yeah, that's extra, that's extra Hodgman enthusiasm. And yeah. I don't think you haven't mentioned this part, but when you show up to work with that thermos... 
everyone else will be super jealous of you. Yeah. Yeah. How warm your liquids are. <laughs> yep. Or cold. What? Or cold. <laughs> and it's such a it's a, it's a good symbol. point. Thermoses are uh, they go both ways. That's all I'm saying. That's all I've ever been saying. They're bifunctional. <laughs> They're bithermous. Um yeah, and look, it just I, I think it's it bears repeating again that Bears, not, not really. <laughs> <laughs> that podcasting may be sort of a newer sort of uh, entertainment stream in your life, but it, it, it's one that I think that we all have sort of come to really rely on and really enjoy. And if you feel like it's something of worth to you, why not? Uh, you know, throw some money at it. Why not show that worth by supporting it, supporting art that you like? There's been a lot of talk over the past fifteen to twenty years about this kind of free economy and how information wants to be free. That's total bullshit. Information <laughs> wants money. So Informa- like, information being us, we want <laughs> right. money. Well, like if it's using information broadly as content. Of may, I, may I dare say though, that, that maximum fund does not want money. It requires money to continue to bring these podcasts to you. Yes. That there, there is a, a <clears throat> substantial amount of overhead that even the occasional sponsorship does not entirely cover. Uh, it's not our desire to come to you and, and ask for money, um, but I, I do think that you, obviously, you guys have a real community with your fans. Um, we at the Judge John Hodgman podcast have a community with our fans, and I think there's a lot of overlap. And in general, mm-hmm. Maximum Fun feels like a, a big, large family. There is a, there is a sense of communal ownership over these shows, and now is the time when we have to come to you and say, if you like what we do, we hope that you'll support us, because otherwise the lights will go out and the podcast will go dark. And, oh, oh, we just ran out of money, guys. Sorry. Oh, we have to. Oh, yeah, 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 sorry. That's it. Never mind. Nintendo. Sorry. <laughs> it was that one that one person, Joe, in Altoona, Pennsylvania, <laughs> where you know, you were, you, your hand was hovering over the donate button and you decided not to do that. Was the, we needed oh, you then. Oh, man, so, Joe. Sorry. Yeah. You make a good point. Which, which makes a good point, which you should do it right now. Yes, right immediately, so you don't forget. Right. Pause this right now, or just let it keep playing. I don't know. And go to... Open another window. <laughs> go to MaximumFund.org slash donate. MaximumFund.org slash donate. And just do it right now before you forget. Yeah. yeah. And there's right not that, they don't need that much information, just your credit card information. Right. And the and money goes directly to the podcast that you listen yeah, you, to. You, you get, get to, to select... Which, you select the podcast, call it the Flophouse. And then, <laughs> or Judge John Hodgman. Or Judge John Hodgman. But <laughs> the Flophouse. And then... Uh, then the money goes to there with some of the amount of it going to maximum funds, general operating costs. But the, the the vast majority of the and donations. There's, and, the, and there's a small 45% processing fee that goes to me. <laughs> <laughs> a small 45%. It's less than a majority. No, a, por- a portion of it goes to the, the network as a whole, but the larger portion of it goes directly to the podcast that you choose to tick off as your favorite as you make your donation. So, and if yeah. you're already a donor, consider the fact that there's a bunch of new shows out there uh, that we've just launched this year that might want your support as well. Yeah. So you could increase your donation. Yeah, you can become a new donor. You can become an upgrading donor if you're a current donor. And and you can upgrade. You can you can a hundred dollars a month, two hundred dollars a month will get you automatic registration at Max FunCon. Yeah, if you're a Brazilian, uh, you if you're can... a Bra- one of those Brazilianaires, <laughs> oh, famous. You don't have to tell me what that means. And you and you and you've been to uh, you've been to Max FunCon. Yeah. I have been to Max FunCon. It's a good time, right? It's an incredibly good time. Have you guys not been to Max no, FunCon? No, we've never been. No, we've never um, oh. I think. Can we say this? I don't know. I don't know if you can say anything, Dan. Why don't you keep your trap shut? All right. <laughs> I'm not saying anything. 
We'll talk more about that later. Um, but look, we come Max to Funcon you, is a great time. That's we, all. I'm we saying. come to you once a year asking this, which is all the more important that you, if you're interested in donating, you you do it while you're thinking of it. Do it now. That's how we were able to lure Judge John Hodgman into our lair of <laughs> deceit and sexual stuff. Yeah, that that <laughs> that one that one piece of Popeye's chicken didn't cost nothing. <laughs> no, certainly didn't. Yeah, I just realized the best I'm, in the business. I'm not getting I'm cheap. not getting my money's worth here. <laughs> Uh, but the point is, uh, go to MaximumFun.org forward slash donate. Uh, we really appreciate it. We appreciate the support. Uh, again, the money goes to the entertainment that you like and you choose. And keeps so, it going. And keeps it so going. So that it will continue. Yeah. yeah. And you will feel good. And you'll Instead yeah. of like a terrible creep who steals what you are now <laughs> well it'll give you that sense of superiority next year when the pet pledge drive comes along and you're like hmm i already support yeah the same way that whenever i see someone from a charity i already donate to on the sidewalk and they go excuse me sir do you have a moment to talk about this i go i don't have to and i keep walking <laughs> i already donate to and your then charity you, then you fall onto a conveyor belt and ride right through mr bones mr bones tripper <laughs> Mr. Bonestripper's my I, I like to believe that... Is the, a joke we made earlier. Yeah, for yeah. the foreign release of this movie, they they changed the image to say, like, Senor Bonestripper, or like, Monsieur Monsieur Bonestripper. son. <laughs> yeah, for the collectible cards. <laughs> yeah. Hair Bonestripper. Um, Maximumfun.org slash donate. Donate, please. Dot org. Force us donate. Okay, what's the next part of this podcast? Uh, the next Dave? part of the podcast is where we uh, take a few moments <clears throat> to answer letters from listeners. Oh, man. You need a... Uh, yeah, I'm going to get a little refresher. All right. Mr. John Hodgman is going to go uh, get well, another... I just, I just realized i got to get more than my piece of chicken up. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me, while he's getting up, that uh, we might want to take a few moments right now... Take a few moments, the three or four of us, to listen to the letters, to think about them and really give a good reply. Maybe something that might change some lives. Maybe something that'll get us high fives when we meet the writer of the letter in person. In person. Are you saying there's a chance that I could meet the flop house? Probably not. Well, Stuart, yes, because he works in a public place. Dan's got a lot of time on his hands, and he'll probably be there, too. But Elliot's kind of a mysterious sort. A recluse, they say. Back in his lair, unable to leave. He hates the sunlight, hates the light of the moon, light of any kind, natural air. The laughter, the smiles, it strikes him like spikes and like poison. Don't expect to meet him but Stuart and Dan sure why not and you'll tell him thanks for reading my letter on the flop house tonight this letter song was brought to you by me wasting time that's how it works (laughs) that's how it works uh so oh Dan's already (laughs) Uh, should I sing some more were you not prepared no I (laughs) I just got a message. Dan uh, getting over the orgasm from my song. <laughs> I, I just got a message that people are literally scared that this is the last flop house because of that offhand <laughs> remark you said one time that when we did Nothing But Trouble would be the last flop house. No, that that was just a joke because I hate the movie. This is not the last flop house. If anything, it's the beginning of a new era in which we won't do the show anymore. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> we'll keep doing it. Maximumfun.org slash donate.
Yeah, we're friends IRL, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We we're are friends, friends. IRL. <laughs> uh, so, Dan, do we have some letters, or should I sing another song for no, real? No, I've got it. Uh, so this first letter um, is uh, a very uh, well-timed letter, let's say that. Dear Floppers, nothing but trouble. Are you going to watch it? Yes. <laughs> Thanks it's for the from letter. Chris Last Name Withheld, who writes... Okay, I'm back. Okay. <laughs> Hang on, before you read the letter, I, gonna... I just wanted to say... <laughs> What did I miss is the name of a song from the popular musical Hamilton, but it also describes the question I have, because I was in the kitchen when something happened. Did someone sing a song? I hope I didn't miss a song. <laughs> song run, song a song, it counts. The abrupt ending. <laughs> Did somebody say that they missed the song? It seemed I've been awakened from my ancient slumber to sing another number about letters and writing and writing and letters from us to you, from you to us, from them to them, from all to all. But, Elliot, do I actually have to write a letter to a stranger? I don't want to do it. I have problems with expressing myself. That's understandable and something we might need to work on. You're a great guy. You should be confident in your abilities. But no, because the strangers have written to us, they're strangers, but there's no dangers because it's through a letter unless they figured out some way to kill with words. Probably not. And so let's read this letter from Chris, last name withheld. Dan said it was timely, but why? But how? We'll get the answers to those questions when the song comes to its end. end. Right now. <laughs> Good <right>. tease, Elliot. <laughs> So it goes like this. <laughs> now that the great movie argument of our time, Ding Dong Gate, has been settled, I turn your attention to the second greatest scene in the history of cinema. I speak, of course, of the scene in Ghostbusters where that ghost gives Dan Aykroyd a blowjob in his dream. Never heard of it. <laughs> Dan Aykroyd? Is he related to Peter Aykroyd? While most people's attention is focused on the weird cross-eyed face that Ray makes in the throes of sexual satisfaction, yep. what happens next is where the questions arise. Namely, he falls out of bed. It should be taken as read that Ray has an erection in his dream. However, one can then safely assume that there's a good chance that Ray in real life has an erection as well. <laughs> Thus, okay. uh, yep, Rex, Rex Danger, erection detective, is on the case. <laughs> Thus, the question... E-Rex Danger. E-Rex Danger. <laughs> the question... My, the E is short for erection. erection. Yeah, yeah. My first name is Erection. That's when he walked into my office. He had, a, he had a single gam that went all the way up. I mean his penis. He laid it on the desk, and I took a look at the case. It's a, nice pe- it's a nice penis you got there. That's true, Mr. Danger. That Too nice. Dude had, Someone's trying to steal it. That dude had third leg that went for miles. <laughs> The question, the question that arises is simple. The case of the purloined penis. <laughs> did, did Ray fall on his erect penis when he fell out of bed? Did he then break his penis? Are no. we to assume that for the no. rest of the movie, Ray is trying to fight ghosts and save New York while also dealing with a broken penis? <laughs> is there anything in Dan Aykroyd's performance that indicates that he is trying to subtly indicate that, yes, Raymond Stance had a broken penis? 
Thanks for your insight. If anyone can settle this matter, it's you, Chris, last name withheld. As someone who has fallen out of bed with an erection many a time, but <laughs> sure. you can't break your penis that way. No, what probably happened is that it got stuck in the ground with like a boing noise, mm-hmm. and he like quivered back and yep. forth a little yeah. bit. Yeah. He probably had it removed and put on his nose. <laughs> <laughs> As evidenced yeah, by the film. Yeah, I imagine there was probably a discarded subplot where Ray broke his penis in half and he had to go on a quest to find a suitable second half of his penis. Well, the ghost of his now broken penis became like a little character that was his mascot. Uh huh. And I think over time. It's that- one of the many sausages that Slimer accidentally eats. <laughs> if that scene. <laughs> accidentally. Yeah, not like. Accidentally. Like, <laughs> Slimer was yawning and he, his hand, I guess, was on, on its own accord, just threw sausages in. <laughs> If that move, if that scene were just removed from the movie forever, yes. it would be a. Better would there movie. be an uproar? I mean, I know, I guess there would be because there's so many weird creep dudes who hate yep. the new Ghostbusters because they're ladies. So it's like, how dare you <laughs> take out you're my blowjob scene? Talking about our scene. listener base, sir. <laughs> but this is. But well, this would be more like I love a, you guys too. But come on, this would be more like a special edition, like when they replaced the. In E.T. where they took the guns out and put walkie-talkies in. So you're saying mm-hmm. they take they have a walkie-talkie <laughs> yeah. in place of his penis? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so the yeah. ghost is just calling somebody? Yeah, he's getting a blowjob from saying, Ronto. Who are you going to call? <laughs> you. Or a yeah, they put a They put a more animated do-back in place of his penis. <laughs> There's a bunch of little robots flying around for no reason. I actually had to Ray, think. Ray, my boogie. I had to think, <laughs> think for a second about what a Ronto was. <laughs> And it just really made me re- made me so happy that I had forgotten. I finally have yeah. escaped the gravitational pull of that movie, and I don't need to know about it anymore. No, it's good. You you helped me. I've, I've clearly I've clearly moved on in my life. Thank you, Stuart. That's his name, right, Stuart? Yes, yeah, Stuart. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Close enough. Non-creative. <laughs> Next letter, Dan. Uh, sure. We got to move along. Okay. Someone was spending a lot of time earlier. This is from <laughs> me. Time to move along. You've got to read all those letters. They are only getting better. This is all the right. second one now. Now we're going to have to pay money to Paul Williams. That <laughs> tune. Uh, this is from Steve, last name withheld, who writes I'm at work Steve right Harvey. now. <laughs> it says, Dear Flobbers, do you watch Family Feud? Please do. I host it. <laughs> Sorry about that Miss Universe what thing. Do Love, <laughs> what do you think of my suits? They're great, Steve. Bright I'm- enough? Enough buttons? Let me know. I'm at work right now watching Sphere. That's not my job, fortunately. Spoiler alert. <laughs> but I think Queen Latifah is getting murdered by a jellyfish. It's not good. I forgot she was in that movie. Yeah, anyway, too. I've been listening to some old Sharon episodes and hearing the mm-hmm. old Squarespace plugs. I've noticed at least three episodes where you've mentioned the Getty Images plugin, at which time Elliot makes a joke about images of Estelle Getty. <laughs> This leads me to believe that Elliot is not funny, or at least needs inspiration. Whoa, whoa. Here are other hilarious Getty Yeah, because seeking. you know what doesn't make things funny? Doing them more than once. That's never been a funny thing. Here, here are other hilarious Gettys he can crack He's going to punch up your Getty jokes. <laughs> this is unacceptable. No, I'd like, I'll allow it. I'd like to hear what he has oh, to say. Judge is Oil industrious J, J. Paul Getty. No. Also lends itself to other humorous references, including the Getty Conservation Institute and Getty Foundation. Wait, 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 wait. Humorous references. <laughs> Ringside frontman and Young Gun star. Young Gun Balthazar star Getty. Bal- Balthazar Getty. That's right. acceptable. Yeah. Because yeah. Ro- Balthazar is a funny name. That's true. Yeah. He's related to J. Paul Getty. I thought he was a star of Lost Highway. That's a bigger. Rush bigger frontman Getty. Getty Lee. 
<laughs> Canadian politician Don Getty. But he spells Getty Lee correctly. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Gettysburg, either the battle or address. No, on the nose, res- on the nose. Too much respect for the men who gave their lives <laughs> for the North. Right. Getty. The and, it, and it's on the penis nose, too. <laughs> Getty.js, the hilarious full stack open source MVC framework. <laughs> Don't know what any of those words were. That's a great joke. I, <laughs> I, I love that one. New and riotous Getty references in future podcasts. Best Steve last name withheld. P.S. Queen Latifah died. I just enjoyed a close-up shot of Dustin Hoffman pulling slimy tentacles out of her nostril. This movie blows. So I guess that's what's his. What's his first name? It's uh, Steve. And his Sorry. last name? Uh, we don't have it here. It's withheld. Getty, right? Yeah. <laughs> Steve Getty. Thanks for your submission of your packet. <laughs> we'll keep you on file. We'll keep you on file. We'll keep you on. It's like a disease. Yeah, it's hard to turn yeah. it off. Yeah. Because it's so much fun to make up songs. Um, but that, are you trying to set us up for a song? <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. It could be. I appreciate the burn on Elliot, but we've got time for just uh, one more letter. Mm-hmm. Is uh, it if it's the last time we had time for just one more letter? It involved Krang having boobs. Mm-hmm. There's nothing, or it was like Dan's the best flopper. I love him the most. <laughs> uh, signed, love man Stan. <laughs> <laughs> signed, not a different Dan. There's neither anything about me nor anything overtly sexual about this last letter. Okay, so uh, this letter goes like Sexual. This. Well. I know. I, <laughs> sex, I was sex twelve. I was hoping. I was hoping. <laughs> <laughs> I were hoping and you you weren't noticing. I was hoping and you would, <laughs> would be noticing. having some sexual feelings. <laughs> when you've got that feeling in sexual sex, healing. Need some sexual healing. Um, so this letter goes like this. Since you talked about Bazooka Joe strips in your Aloha episode, I'm taking this as a signal that you finally decided to switch from being a bad movie podcast to instead revolving around comic strips. Isn't it weird that in the 30s a bunch of strips were released that were still around today but have nothing to do with their original focus? That is weird. That's true. Thimble Theater became all about the irascible sailor Popeye rather than focusing on castor oil, the terrible (laughs) brother of Olive. Or thimbles. Fritzy Ritz would change for the better once Fritzy accepted her lovable niece Nancy. And obviously things shifted for the worst once Blondie finally settled down from her wild flapper days. And married Dagwood. Also, how Snuffy Smith just took over Barney Google. Yeah, that's true. I was hoping with his Google. I was hoping eyes. one yeah. of us would, <laughs> would bring that up, and I am not surprised it was you. <laughs> what twists would you like to see in other comic strips? Would Dennis the Menace finally kill Mr. Wilson and realize the futility of his menacing ways? Would Dilbert finally and get then fouled? It becomes, it becomes a, an Oz type prison strip. <laughs> <laughs> would Dilbert finally get fired for sexually harassing Alice? Making jokes around bad movies is great and all, but I think this new comic strip focus will make the podcast more successful than ever. Flip-takingly yours, the kid from Foxtrot. Well, which kid? There's three kids in Foxtrot. <laughs> There's the two boys and the girl. Yeah, but I think... The younger one? Yeah, Jason, Jason Fox, okay. the star of the Bill Ammond So, cartoon. wait, there was a question. Was there a Fox question? Trot. Were we given a question there? I was basically uh, saying, what are you guys wasting time making fun of movies for when there is this antique art form that no one cares about? And they're like yeah. twists in. So, or or so I should say I, this other antique art form that no one cares <laughs> yeah. about. Yeah, if it's not YouTube, nobody cares about so it. So there's right. there was the great the great twist that I wish had been kept with was that one week of Garfield strips where he wakes up and the house is empty and there's cobwebs everywhere. And the implication, I guess, is that 
the rest of the strips were all a dream, a dream during his last moments before he died. Because at the end, he's wandering around and John is gone and Odie is gone. Like nobody's lived in this house for years. And he's like, there's, there are captions that are like, think back, back to the better times, back, back. And the last This is a thing, thing that happened? Yeah, it's yeah. a five-day storyline. And the last panel, the last day, is he's back with John and Odie. And I think the intention was that those weeks were a dream. But what it comes off is it comes off implying that the rest of the strip is him. The whole strip was a dream. Yeah, right. and, and he's like, I can't. I'm I'm going insane from my solitude. Like I have to think about this before I. What before kind I of start. mushrooms I thought, did you put in that lasagna? <laughs> <laughs> I I thought you were describing Garfield in a post-apocalyptic environment, and that is something I would like. Gar- Garfield Fury Road is something I would be very interested in reading about. That'd be pretty fun. There's no post-apocalyptic comic strip. I'm kind of surprised there isn't because it's such a <clears throat> go-to thing right Right, now. but the only people who read comic strips now are elderly people who mm-hmm. are thinking about death all the time yeah. anyway. They don't. Oh, everybody's it's not fun. Up. It's not fun for them to <laughs> the, uh, to engage in a premise where all life is ended. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's more fun for them to engage in a premise where uh, Drabble says something. <laughs> where <laughs> Shoe is hanging out at the tree bar. The, the twist I was always hoping for would be that, uh, that Slylock Fox would finally realize that Jack the, R- the Ripper is all part of one giant Masonic conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's his buddy Max Max Mouse MD has been doing it. <laughs> you know, I'm sure that the person who's writing in is familiar with this website, and maybe you guys are too, joshreads.com. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, by Josh Frolinger, or I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Frol- uh, we, you Seems know, about right. Frolinger? Frolinger? Yeah. F-R-U-H-L-I-N-G-E-R. But he tears apart comic strips in a delightful manner. In a very funny way. Daily. And uh, I feel like that's covered. Ter- I don't want to yeah, tell you. That, I don't want to tell you guys right? how to not improve your podcast, but I think that you guys, you guys got movies covered. I don't think you need to worry about comic strips. I mean, we talk about them every now and then. Right. And we've mentioned how Funky Winker Bean is depressing and makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Right. And, right. And when we eventually watch the Roses Rose movie, we'll talk about the comic <laughs> <Yeah>. strip. <laughs> <laughs> when is that property going to get? <laughs> Finally, going to get the movie it deserves. Would you work as a writer on a Funky Winker Bean movie? I don't see why I wouldn't. How, how funky yeah. is the well, movie? <laughs> yeah, uh, is it as funky as Winker Bean? Winker that's Bean not very money. much. I, the. Uh, who are you going to get to play the band teacher? Because he's uh, like the most important character, right? Well, I thought uh, I feel like it's, it's became, less. Yeah, Christopher Miss Flass like seems the like the obvious uh, okay. less character, right? Yeah. No, How much right. do you even know about Funky Winker Bean Stewart? I don't know that much. Yeah. I just remember, I mean, as, I've told the story many times, but there was one where there was like uh, somebody committed suicide. Oh, and every so, oh, yeah. every couple of weeks somebody dies or has cancer or something terrible. It's a profoundly depressing comic I remember story. as a kid... I rarely read the daily strips, and I but I always read the Sunday comics. And every Funky Winker Bean was, or every other Funky Winker Bean was just one panel of somebody like sitting next to a hospital bed where where their wife was, or like looking at the picture of someone who had died recently. And I was right. like, "What is going on? This the same. It's just a series of tableau of sadness." It's the same uh, guy. Uh, it's not Tom, like, Tom Baddick. Baddick, Baddick it's, uh, yeah. who, who also had that comic about the. Uh, the TV anchor who got murdered, right? Oh, John yeah. Darling. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But that was like a fun thing. That he got <laughs> murdered? But it was supposed to be like a murder mystery type thing. Mm-hmm. Right? I don't I think... I feel like that was like the... Wasn't that like the end of the comic? Was yes. Like... Yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> Dan is correct. <laughs> this that like a very strange... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, he may have had a He was moment. like a John Donahue... I mean, like a Phil Donahue 
figure who, you know, he hosted a talk show and it was sort of a media send up and yeah. then they were getting canceled. And he's like, fuck it. I'm going to murder him. And then much, <laughs> much later in fucking Winker being like, they solved the mystery. They solved the, the murder. Yeah. Right. For all those people who were wondering Wait, about really? it. Really? Yeah. yeah. It's they cra- solved the murder of a, in a different comic strip. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's crazy. Kind of, it's crazy. It's kind of brilliant. In a Did weird they find way. out why Croc was such a dick to everybody? <laughs> <laughs> I want to know what's up with Tank. <laughs> solve the mystery of why Beatles Bailey is so Tank lazy. Is the one where he's like a, he's like a high school why. football coach or something. Oh, I don't remember that one. I don't know. Uh, there's the, the the one what's the one you missed the most i mean that isn't made anymore or from because i don't read comic strips regularly the same way like right one that's still going on or no no one that isn't going i guess i mean like calvin and hobbs i guess calvin, yeah, calvin yeah, that's right. Right. i mean that's that's one of the few strips where like there's i can't think of any periods in it where it like lost it no you know it was it was classic from the first frame to the last yeah frame. and it's like beautiful to look at but uh, I wonder if the funky- would would you would you write a Calvin and Hobbes movie if Bill Waterston was not on board? Oof. I don't think I would, unless it was a lot of money. I mean, like a lot how much of money? money are we talking? Yeah, how much money? Like how tens many? of millions of dollars, like more than they would ever. <laughs> I was going to say to write a movie. You know? a, a million dollars? I don't know. That would That'd keep Sammy in a lot of stakes. It's true. I mean, he can't yeah, really eat Sammy loves right steaks. <laughs> he doesn't really. No, he just, just it's hard email. for a two-year-old to chew beef. He an email saying he loves steaks. <laughs> you, buy, you stockpile steaks now. <laughs> you said, freeze them for please, later. Stuart, <laughs> steaks. Yeah, and, just, <laughs> and later on, you'll be like, these are the steaks that uh, my integrity bought for it's you. The same, it's this, I would say the same thing to him that John Oliver said to us when I joined him and some other people once at a sushi place. Listen and to he this said, name drop he, he said, he, he said, I'll take the <laughs> yeah, check. Exactly. And he went, no, no, no. And he goes, no, no, I'll take the bill. I'll pay for it. I got my love guru check today. And then we go, okay. And he goes, as he's going to the register, he goes, by the way, this makes you all complicit in the production of the love guru. And we were like, no, no. So I tell Sam, I'll be like, you can enjoy those steaks, but you made Bill Watterson very unhappy. That was Hollywood Kalen with another, another star tale. Star drop. Behind the scenes. But uh, I, want, it's, I wonder if the guy from Funky Winker Bean went through something like Johnny Hart did, where, but in reverse, like Johnny Hart found God and stopped drinking. And so BC became a very proselytizing strip, and Wizard of It, I guess he decided was fine as was, and he didn't have to change it. Right. Where the well, it was the Crusades, so it fit in with what he was doing. <laughs> whereas, whereas Funky Winker Bean was the guy and, and, like, and honestly, wait, Wizard BC, of It didn't show both sides? <laughs> yeah, BC, BC was always sort of in the evangelical mode, because it was, uh, it was like humans living with dinosaurs. It was a creationist comic strip from the beginning. <laughs> it's true, I yeah. guess. But the, uh, Are there dinosaurs in BC? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, all right, good. And uh, they that make jokes about how that one cave woman is too fat and things like that. And it's like you're a dinosaur. Why would you make that joke? I don't understand. <laughs> Do you know what the name of that character is? No, I don't. The the cave woman is too fat. Fat broad. Really? Yes. <laughs> Do you think it was never really a progressive strip? No. <laughs> <laughs> the. But uh, I wonder if the funky Wankerman guy had a moment that was the reverse of that, where he lost faith in God and he was like, "Forget it. All my characters are gonna die." Yeah. He's going to make mm-hmm. it happen. Yeah. And the band teacher, he gets the worst punishment. He survives. And he just lives on with the memories of those he's lost. He remembers when they were all children. Yeah. And his band, it is never very good. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's the icing on the cake. Well, I guess, I guess, uh, what was his name? Who Les. wrote that letter? Les? Oh, wait. No. no. The, Les is the, the nerd, dude, dude right? <laughs> the band teacher. <laughs> no, was the, who wrote the letter? Oh, the who kid, wrote the letter? The kid from Foxtrot is all he, he Oh, was. that's right. Oh, yeah. Jason from Foxtrot, I guess uh, you got your wish. 
Okay, you we turned it into a comic strip podcast. So what's the next part of this podcast? Uh, the next and final part of the podcast is Bam, where we Dana? recommend movies that we uh, have seen, uh, usually recently, but not necessarily, that we would recommend uh, instead of the movie that we watched tonight. Okay. Okay. Who goes first? Uh, I'll go briefly. Uh, I rewatched uh, a movie that I saw for the first time when I was 13 and hadn't seen since I watched The Sting. Which uh, is a movie that I feel like almost immediately uh, did not get a lot of credit from uh, cinephiles because I mean, it won Best Picture. Yeah, but it was <laughs> so. I guess it's an under it's an underrated. You know, I underdog. said cinephiles. It was it uh, was like it, it came out in the seventies and it was already a movie out of time because it was a very old fashioned movie. Even when it was made, <laughs> it was a throwback. It was an old Hollywood movie, but it was also like set in an older time period. Uh, but shot as though it were the 70s in a, yeah, in a weird way. Yeah, it's got that like, George Roy Hill, uh, yeah. You know, that George flavor. Roy Hill, yeah. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> We all know it. <laughs> that George Roy Hill, yeah. <laughs> Come um, at you now, it's that George Roy Hill, yeah. <laughs> Top of the charts, you're listening to W, huh? <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> One hundred point one radio dial. It's a movie that really, <laughs> I feel like it's a very seminal. Uh, I mean, it's definitely a very seminal con, con man film. It kicks off that sort of. We're uh, oh, talking about the Sting. The Sting, right? This yeah. is your recommendation. Yes. Okay, gotcha. Uh, and so I'm recommending the Sting too. No, the thing is, like, you watch the Sting today, and it has one twist, and it's not a surprising twist at all if you've seen any con man film is there a scorpion in it you're like, <laughs> you're like you know what twist you're thinking <laughs> scorpion twist. Did, you just, didn't you see that movie scorpion twist <laughs> that hot new dance craze oh. <laughs> now the way that you do the dance is you put a live scorpion in your shoe <laughs> the name of the dance the- is the scorpion twist <laughs> you're twisting from the pain as it stings you with its venom nothing better than a dance where they tell you <laughs> the song. <laughs> no, it's just the movie is all building up to one twist that is not surprising in the least if you've seen any sort of movie that has a twist at all. But that's because like Sixth Sense, right? It turns out they're all ghosts. <laughs> it's because <laughs> the movie was set in the past. They're all dead. <laughs> the Sting is such an early example of the form. <laughs> they're all. <laughs> they're all. What? What is it? Set in the thirties? Uh, it's the twenties, yeah. right? Or twenties or the thirties? Uh, they're all living in a colony where they're acting like it's the 20s or the 30s but in fact when they walk outside the studio it's the 1970s that's right (laughs) the twist is they were making a movie called The Sting the whole time hold on to your hats (laughs) yeah guess what it's not a real sting it's a movie (laughs) turns out Robert Shaw was in on it the whole time life's like a movie write your own ending keep believing keep pretending We just made the sting. (laughs) Thanks to the stingers. The sting. The stingies. (laughs) And you. Um, That's how you do the scorpion twist. (laughs) (laughs) No, but what I'll say about the movie is it's just if you want, it's what it is is a testament to just old Hollywood uh, charm. Like, if you want to see a movie where you're just like, oh, this is carried along 100% on the charm of Robert Redford and Paul Newman 
and the fact that you've got Robert Shaw as the bad guy, and you've got character <coughs> actors like Charles Durning and Ray, Ray Walston, like that's the beauty of it. Just a movie that that's has, how it works. That is how it works. Like it's that's classic how it works. Hollywood <laughs> big stars the, with yeah great character actors. The the you know there are a lot of things that Chevy Chase was supposed to be able to do, uh, and didn't, and yet. Even in this movie, I felt like at the beginning, I'm like, this guy's got some classic Hollywood charm. Yeah. And if he were not thrown into this terrible <laughs> plot, something could have happened. Now, of True. course, it's all lost. And if he was not famously kind of unpleasant, I think he at could the t- have applied t- that another. Right. At the time, he was not known to the public, I think. Yeah. How unpleasant he is. I think that was just among entertainers. Well, I have not seen this thing for many, many years, and I will take your recommendation. All right. Anyone else? <laughs> yeah, I hope, so this I hope is, that you do. I hope you have a recommendation because that's the way that this part of the Yeah, so this is the part of the podcast where I recommend a horror movie. I'm going to recommend 1989's <laughs> Witch Trap. That Witch is Trap. Witch Trap. Uh, not the sequel to Witchboard, which actually they set, put on the VHS cover. And I think in the opening credits, uh, even though it's directed by the guy who directed Witchboard and directed Stuart Wellington favorite, Night of the Demons. Uh, now, Witch Trap is, uh, features a number of the same actors from Night of the Demons, including uh, Linnea Quigley, who is also, yes, totally naked in this movie. Um, and it is kind of the definition of like a good, bad movie. Like you want to watch this. It's a, like a classic 80s, early 90s horror movie that you want to watch with friends. People get killed. There's a, uh, the, the hero is this like wisecracking detective who has a terrible one-liner for every scene. And people get killed in the stupidest ways possible. Uh, so I, t- and it's, dr- and it's shot very cheaply and weirdly. It's a super great movie to watch with friends, Witch trap. Wh- and are witches trapped in it? Kind of. Uh-huh. I don't want to get too into the plot. <laughs> Why not? Uh, but it's kind of a witch that's the movie is about a couple of ghost hunters who get hired. Yes. To, okay. So there's some ghost hunters who get hired to clean out a house that is haunted by an old warlock. Now, the guy who owns the property needs to make some money off of it because he is, I guess, in debt. And he his only option is to turn this haunted house into a haunted bed and breakfast because haunted houses are big business back in 1989. As I think they probably are now. Yeah, as they yeah. are now. So he, uh, but the problem is that he hired a stage magician to uh, to kind of like make sure the house is sure. cool, even though a little bit haunted, basically add a little bit of bona fides to mm-hmm. it. Uh, unfortunately, like that guy totally gets killed by the ghost. So he has to hire these ghost hunters to go in, but he doesn't trust them to go in alone. So he has to hire in a private security company who are the best in the biz. He's sinking so much money into this. Who come along house. with it because it's a couple million dollars. He's losing Elliot. Think about it. If you owned a private uh, a private haunted bed and breakfast, <laughs> <laughs> I'd spend any amount of money to get that. <laughs> no that, amount of money that is cash too much. Cow back on the market. Yep, you were right. You shouldn't have described the plot. <laughs> <laughs> it all revolves around uh, somebody eating. A- it's a be- it's a classic bed and breakfast sting. <laughs> 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 it's like the sting in a B- haunted B and B in 1989. Now, so Robert like the, Shaw shows up. It's like oh. the Innkeepers is what you're saying. Cotton, it's not as good as the Innkeepers. Oh, the Innkeepers is really good. Um, but no, this is a good, like, uh, once again, if you've already seen Night of the Demons with your pals, 
Just pop in Witch Trap. All right. I haven't seen I'll, I haven't seen either of those films, and I will, see, I will see them both. Uh, I'll go recommend a movie now. No, you probably have something prepared, so I'll just say mm-hmm. my thing. Oh, okay. Because I got nothing. Uh, I have a movie that I'm going to recommend. I couldn't remember any of the movies that I've seen in the past year. Uh, so I had to go back into my uh, email to see what movies I bought on <laughs> iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> and suddenly I remembered, oh, right, there was that night where I watched two movies. Mm-hmm. And the first movie I watched was the good one. And then the second movie I watched was the terrible one. And I'm only going to mention the terrible one because I'm sure you've done it on the podcast. And I apologize if I've not heard it. I never know. But 1941. Oh, no, we uh, haven't done this. No, one. No, no, no. Yeah. Can I come back for that one? Because sure, yeah, if we do it. This, yeah. Another John Candy, Dan Aykroyd film. Yeah. And another completely misguided uh, uh, emanation of uh, a single creative vision that no one could say no to at that time. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's unbelievably terrible. Did, did Spielberg direct that? Yeah, yeah. Spielberg. Spielberg directed it. Spielberg was like the golden boy. And yeah. Zemeckis wrote it. And like Ackroyd, I think knows how to make comedy, but <laughs> yep, doesn't know how to evidence by this movie. But doesn't, <laughs> but you know, like I think he understands comedy to some degree, but doesn't know how yeah. to direct a movie. Spielberg knew how to direct a movie, but didn't doesn't know anything about and comedy. And that's one where I've read about behind the scenes. People were like, "Yeah, on the set, it wasn't funny, but everyone assumed like Belushi's going to pull it off. Like, right? It'll be the script doesn't seem to be very funny when we're shooting it. It doesn't seem to be funny, but Belushi's magic. So when it's on screen, he's just going to pull it and, off. And that is completely like the the whole ethos of the movie is. These people were funny in Animal House. They'll do it again. We don't have to give them anything. <laughs> we don't have to make any. We don't have to set up anything. They'll just mug, and then look at boobs and like and that's the and that's what the movie is. And it, it was startling how terrible. And I'd seen it as a kid. My dad took me to see it, and I can't imagine time what for you to learn about mind. the war, son. Yeah, exactly. But when you were a kid, because I remember seeing it as a kid, and just like this movie, like I just assumed it was good. I remember being entertained as a child, probably because of boobs and I don't know. John yeah, Belushi. I remember being very confused by it because I was a very shy kid, and I'm like, "Why is my dad taking me to a boob movie?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it opens with a with a parody of the opening scene of Jaws. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which was the only good thing about it until you realize just how it's profoundly misogynistic movie. But that's a terrible movie. We'll leave that for another time. Okay. The movie that I saw earlier that same night. And a similar jag of like, was this good or was this bad? Was broadcast news. Oh, which okay. is oh, that's a good movie. great. Yeah, that's a really good movie. And I had forgotten, like, it's it's one of the, I, you know, I had always taken it as one of my favorite movies, but it had been years since I had seen it. And it was one of these movies where I had not appreciated just how deep into my DNA it had gotten. Mm-hmm. It's Albert Brooks is so funny in it. Yeah, that's um, fantastic. Uh, uh, the, the, the three of them, William Hurt and... Um, Holly Hunter. Holly Hunter, right. Uh, are so incredible. And there's so many moments that I remember, that not only that I remember perfectly, but it, that affect how I think about comedic and dramatic writing now. And it's still incredibly pertinent. So I recommend that movie highly. So you it's heard no, it, 1941. No. <laughs> John Ackman, Also, check out Scorpion DVD. Twist, a very <laughs> underseen exploitation uh, uh, spy dance movie film. from 1981. <laughs> spy dance movie starring Digital Underground, 1989. Uh, it was incredible. Shock G plays all the characters. 
So I'm going to recommend a movie that, in keeping with my usual trend, is an old movie and a foreign movie, uh, which is a movie called The Housemaid, which is from South Korea in 1960. It was directed by Kim Ki-young. Well, I've got to go, you guys. (laughs) And it's it's this movie that, uh, in the West, was not known until, or not well known until probably about five or six years ago, when they remade it in Korea, and suddenly people in the United States, you know, found out about the original. And it's like if Alfred Hitchcock made a thriller where he went farther than Alfred Hitchcock does in terms of like just shocking subject matter, where this guy, this family is, the mother is a seamstress and the dad is a music teacher at a dormitory for women who work at a factory in South Korea. And they take on, there's a, a one of the students has a crush on him and he spur, he spurns her and something terrible happens to her and her friend almost as revenge recommends a woman to be their housemaid because they're looking for a housemaid. And this woman, just through her sheer force of will and just being crazy, turns the house upside down and makes everybody her servants. And to the point that it's like if Alfred Hitchcock made a movie where he's always threatening that a child's going to die, I guess in one movie, in in, uh, Sabotage, a child dies. But like if... Alfred Hitchcock made a movie where he's like, mm, that annoying kid that uh, you kind of don't want anything bad to happen to because he's a kid. Well, he's going to fall down some stairs and die. And like, it's it's just so intense. Spoiler. Spoiler. <laughs> but, uh, sorry, that is a spoiler. But like, it's a, it's weirdly intense, but they're without a lot of scenes where people are in physical danger, but it, oh, it feels so creepy and so oppressive and claustrophobic. And there's an ending to it that should ruin it it should be a bad ending but it actually works in a crazy way and i don't want to tell you what it is but like it's a it's just this very like intense psychodrama of this woman coming in and destroying these people's lives essentially uh and it's really creepy and good say the name of it again it's called the housemaid no i can't remember that what's what's his name in korean uh that is a good question (laughs) i do not know how to pronounce your your pronunciation is fantastic i guess according to according to wikipedia i guess it would be something like hanyo Oh, Housemaid. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. No, I've heard about that movie. But uh, it's one that uh, if you like, uh, there's a certain kind of cinephile that is especially likes Asian movies. Like this is one to see if you haven't seen it. Uh, and where would that be available? Because the movies we're talking about, you can get. I think it's, I think Criterion Collection has it actually. So it may okay. be available on their in their Hulu collection. That's pretty okay. good. The I, movie I, I talked about, you can only watch on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> or VHS. <laughs> Haunt your video stores for a copy of Witch Trap. Just go to YouTube. <laughs> it's we live in a weird world now where obscure foreign movies are easier to find than like old dumb the, American like old, films. Yeah, like yeah. A, like cheapy American horror movies that used to flood the video market. Right. Like it used to be so easy to find a copy of Ghoulies and so hard to see <laughs> like uh, any of Orson Welles's later movies. And now those are all available online. Right. Ghoulies, I don't know where you find and, it. Uh, and don't even talk to me about Ghoulies too, because I have been... <laughs> is that the one where they go to college? Ghoulies <laughs> 3 is Ghoulies go to college. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I can speak with authority about that. <laughs> yeah. This is Dan's time to shine. <laughs> There's a great scene where the ghoulies put a plunger on a lady who's taking a shower and stretch out her face in a like a Looney Tunes cartoon way. Like a Beetlejuice thing. Yeah. So look for that. I guess wait, hold on, can I switch my recommendation to Ghoulies Go to College? <laughs> Is it from the sting? Ghoulies three go to Ghoulies Go to College? Yeah, that's or, right. Right. 
Now, did the ghoulies, we might have talked about this, did they apply or how did they get to college? Did they get a, a scary scholarship? Yeah, they're just no. invoked. They're Aff- invoked by... Affirmative action. You know, they're invoked oh, by, uh, what's his face, from... Uh, oh, Alex Trebek, yeah. No, no, from... Uh, Pavarotti. In basketball. In basketball. It was a basketball Snatchers. scholarship. Was it? Yeah. Body Snatchers. Who's the guy? Uh, Leonard Nimoy. Donald Sutherland. The lead. In which Body Snatchers? The original. original. Oh, Kevin McCarthy? Yeah, Kevin McCarthy oh, is okay. the guy who reads the, the, in, the, the incantation. The incantation. Pulls the ghoulies oh, out of their ghoulie universe. That. Yeah, but that doesn't explain how they get to college. Is he the dean? <laughs> he's, a, he's a teacher there. He's a the professor of ghoulie studies. Oh, okay. And I guess they're on the fucking syllabus. <laughs> yeah, from one of the core classes is ghoulology. Does this podcast ever end? Not no, really. no, it ends now. <laughs> um, with an exhortation to go to uh, maximumfund.org forward slash donate. If you're still alive or awake and you're listening to this, that's, maximum, right. that's maximum the fund, only way to make this stop. Maximumfund.org slash We only need 200 of you to <laughs> <laughs> navigate to maximumfund.org slash donate, and uh, we'll be um, able to do this podcast for another couple hours five weeks yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right well uh yeah let's, let's shut this down thank you so much uh shut it down for John good for coming oh it was totally my pleasure and i am astonished you guys have not done 1941 and i <laughs> insist against your wishes to come back and and be here when you watch it we'll do it yeah let's do it right now <laughs> okay fire up the movie machine <laughs> okay <laughs> Here we go again. Nope, nothing but trouble stuck in the player. I guess no. we watch that first. All right, I'll go for it. <laughs> uh, thank you for listening for the podcast. I've been uh, Dan McCoy. I've been Stuart Wellington. Elliot Kalen is also a robot for some reason. <laughs> John Hodgman. Good night, everyone. Did you uh, did you timestamp all your goofs? Because if not, we gotta watch it again. I didn't timestamp my goofs, and I remember now in that email you said, "Remember, timestamp your goofs." You don't mind if I try out my new character? Uh, I mean, we kind of you kind of got a recognizable voice that we're hoping to capture. But, uh, oh, I don't know, Elliot. Right I think. You I have a vision for how my career is going to go. I want to get on the ground floor of this yeah. cool new character. <laughs> you don't have John Hodgman on your show yet. He's going to be the biggest character Mouse. since Bobo and Little Devil. <laughs> MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.